This is exactly right. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! And welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kara Clank. And I'm Lisa Traeger. And we talk SVU. We talk crimes. We have celeb guests. Today's a good one. Today's a great one. (laughs) Yeah. And now we chit-chat. And I know I've talked about Lady Gaga so much, and I truly apologize. But did you watch the video of the drag queen at the concert? It's the best thing I've ever seen. Wait, and then and everybody's following her and she's like, I'm a drag queen and they all think she's Lady Gaga. Oh my God, that yeah. was so funny. But I found one where they zoom in on the security guard and he was, I think he was supposed to be he watching Lady Gaga. He was supposed Lady to be Gaga. watching Gaga. <laughs> no, I saw a whole like Saint Hoax, like the meme account did like a full yes. slideshow of like, like the reaction of the security guard, like realizing that he's been following a drag queen instead of Lady Gaga. So good. <laughs> but I wonder if it's planned because the it was... It was incredible. It was like such good makeup and stuff, but it's really making me laugh. (laughs) You know what else made me laugh? This is going back um, a few weeks or whatnot, but I loved everyone's responses for your birthday on the Instagram. They really are so thoughtful. They know, they remember and like so many specific different things. That was really nice. And I hate to say like, I'm like technically pretty savvy, but like, I don't think I even know how to do those kind of posts. Like I know how to do the ask a question thing, but like when you post the responses with like a fun picture and like gifts, I'm like, Lisa, I don't even know how to get there. Like that is fun. You did a lot of work for my birthday. I appreciate it. No, it was fun. It was fun. Well, it was, it was a great pleasure to do, but it also made me laugh because I forgot that you led Andrea Bocelli to address his girlfriend. His so wife, his wife was pulling him around like a dog. Um, <laughs> but, it was just like funny what they liked and remembered. It was sweet. I enjoyed that. Um, wait, so speaking of, we're like deep in the time machine this week because of travels and travails. But I wanted to mention Adnan Syed getting his court thing, getting released from prison. His trial, his his uh, verdict was... Uh, Oh my God. I'm like completely have no brain right now. My brain is like swimming. Well, you're in wine. so overwhelmed with the emotion. I'm overwhelmed. Wait. His conviction was vacated. I was trying, I was like, his trial was it was evacuated. I like his conviction was vacated. This guy has been in prison for 23 years. For he has not left prison since he was 17 years old, since the day he went in for being arrested, like arrested. They never gave him bail, which was a huge part of the, which was a huge issue with the podcast that they talk about because I listened to Serial twice through. I was really obsessed. I listened to the Undisclosed podcast, which is run by Adnan's family friend, Rabia, and lawyers who all would talk about it um, for after Serial ended. So I really was obsessed. And like not getting bail when you are put into into jail initially is really fucked because you really can't aid in your own defense in the same way as you can 
if you're out of jail. You know, like, yes, your lawyers can come visit you, whatever, but it's just not the same. Like, he was not able to help in his own defense in a lot of ways because he just immediately went to jail and was denied bail. And listen, I kind of always thought that he was innocent, but I also realized that, like, I was manipulated by serial. It's a narrative, like, the, the narrative of the podcast was very convincing. I, you know, I think they did a great job, but I also realized some, a lot of people... It's like how I felt about my favorite, mur- um, not, not my, my favorite murder, excuse me, making a murderer. Like everyone was, I was like, justice for Stephen Avery. And people were like, Kara, he did it, you know? Like, so I don't know, but I do think the cops have to do the right job. And I don't think, there were just a lot of unanswered weird questions in this. And I don't think that he was beyond a reasonable doubt the person who killed this girl. Like there were a lot of sketchy things. I I don't, I that missed me. It didn't miss me because everyone was listening to it, but I was not hooked or paid attention to it. Wait, did all. you live in Chicago when it was on because it's from like Chicago radio or something or were you already in New York? I have no idea. What year was this? (laughs) I don't know when this came out. 15, I think. I had just moved to New York, I think in 2014. Gotcha. So I was in New York. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, a bunch of people have been messaging us because they have, they have noted that I am obsessed with this case and thank you for reaching out. I was mouth on the floor. Like my sister immediately texted me. Like I could not believe when it happened. And they have a month to retry him to enter in like new charges, but I just don't think they're going to do it. Like, I don't think that they can, I don't think they can really do it. He also had ineffective counsel. It seemed like his lawyer was like dying at the time. Like she was very ill and was like, I don't know what it was, medication or her illness, but like she missed a lot of things. And so for a 17 year old boy to have like a lawyer that's not fully on it was kind of not good for him. But anyway, what else is going on? I'm so fucked up. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing is going on. Well, the football want- season. I, <laughs> I, you want to talk the NFL? Oh my God. So I was doing, okay. So there's a guy at the comedy store and he does love pulling pranks, but I think he pulls one that's so fucked up. I was watching my friend and she was just like having a cigarette outside and he runs up to her and goes, come on, come on. And she goes, what? And, like, she starts running panicked, and then he goes, just kidding. And so he makes people think that they fully are, like, being called on stage. And he has done this to me. Like, I'll park in the parking lot and be, like, chill. And then he'll be like, come on, you're net. And and then you run, and then it's, like, totally not it. And I'm like, you cannot do this to people. What a shitty fucking prank. I'm sorry. That is not a prank. That's making someone's blood pressure rise for no fucking reason. Well, well, what I loved about the person who he did it to, she did not put out her cigarette though. She (laughs) ran with her cigarette. So she did get to at least come back and like finish her cigarette, but she was already so stressed that she went back inside to like wait for her spot. But like, and she's not a paid regular. So it's probably like, even more stressful because you're like, yeah. I want to be here. You don't want to fuck like up. Every- yes, you don't want to fuck up. The pressure's on. And so I was just like, fuck. And so I have to remember that he does this. So he can't Yeah, do so it to you me. can just be like, are you being serious? Like, I mean, it kind of would take the wind out of his sails if you just were like, didn't believe him right away, right? Yeah, but in that moment, you're just, yeah, hopefully I'll be on guard. It's I love just- pranks, but it's, I don't know. That doesn't feel like a prank to me. It's just making someone feel like crazy. I don't know. That feels like a gaslight. I don't know. <laughs> like, you did something wrong. Hurry, hurry. You're like, like I don't know, getting someone stressed. Like, I do love a little, I do love a little prank. But I like, I like prank phone calls and stuff sometimes when you're like, I don't know. 
He also believes that RBG is the reason Roe v. Wade was overturned and it's fully her fault. I have other friends that believe that. It's just like, you can, I mean, you can believe that like she should have retired this and that, but like to blame that one woman and not all the people that have tried to overturn it. Yeah, it's it's like like, so crazy. First of all, it's like blaming the goalie in a hockey game or something. Like, yeah, I guess the goal, the puck did get past the goalie, but it first got past three other lines of defense before it got to the goalie. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not her fault, but... Like, I just don't know why you think it'd be more her fault than, like, Mitch McConnell's. It's just like, I don't know. It's It seems like um people that are into Facebook. Like, it yeah. seems like something that they've read on Facebook, and it's like, well, the, it's not an opinion that they had on their own. It's not no. something they came to on their own. They saw something on Facebook that said that, and then they think they're, like, counterculture and super smart. But I think it's, like, idiotic. Two of my most liberal friends who who did not know each other, I, I introduced them at a party and I walked away for like 10 minutes. And when I came back, they were yelling at each other because he believes that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired so that they could have installed more justices. This was way pre-Roe being overturned. And that it's going to fuck up the Supreme Court and this and that. And she was like screaming at him like, that's fucking insane. And like they were having having it out at a small apartment party. Well, yeah, it's like, also, like, who could have known that everyone was going to vote for a man who can't read or spell for president? Yeah. And the rush, like, it's just like, it is wild. Yeah, we couldn't have predicted the game show host presidency for sure. And Obama tried to put another judge on. I mean, it would have, yeah, it's just like, it's fine to lump her in and, like, power is corrupt no matter what. Like, power sucks. But, like, to take this person who has worked so hard... For women's rights for decades and justice in this world and just fully put it on her shoulders. It's like crazy. And then this guy in the combo is like, she should be rolling around in her grave. It's like, you're a psychopath. And also those people, like, I'm sure your friend didn't bring it up. It's like these people bring up this stuff, though, to instigate fights. To antagonize. Yeah, Yeah. that's the prank. It's like, you're going to do a prank. You're going to have this insane point of view and you're just going to antagonize people because you don't know how to truly connect. Yeah. Because I was like, you two are on the same side. You're both my most like liberal, pro-Hillary, like pro, like, you know, Democrat side. So like, it's so weird that you're fighting about this. What was the genders of them? He, the guy who brought it up was a guy and then the pro RBG was a woman. Yeah. Yeah, men are not actually liberal ever. Well, he's a gay guy and super liberal, but you know him. No. But like... No, it's always men. Men are always liberal until a woman says no to them. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like men are all liberal until it's like their friend is a rapist. It's like men cannot fully escape their manhood ever. So can I? So yesterday I was in CVS buying deodorant and this crazy guy was in there and he was just ranting and he was going, saying shit about Ukraine or whatever. And he's like, I'm allowed to say what I want. I can say what I want. And he, I'm just trying to get around him. And he goes like, ma'am, you don't even care. Nobody even cares. Ma'am, you don't care. And I go, I actually don't. And I like get around him because I'm like, I'm on the phone and I'm buying deodorant. I walk out and my husband had been getting coffee and that guy had had accosted him too. And when I came out, that man was screaming at a woman. And when we were in the car, Jared goes, it was so weird. Like that guy said something to me about like, do you know how much money we're spending in Ukraine? And I was like, I gotta go, buddy. And he was like, and the guy just went, whatever. And then he just started screaming at that woman. And I go, do you know, do you see any difference? Do you see any difference between you and the other person that he screamed at? He was like, oh. I was like, yeah. 
he can handle a guy telling him, I don't want to talk to you right now. He can't handle a woman being like, not right now, sir. You know what I mean? Like, and he was just screaming at her. Yeah, they know they can get away with it. I had an issue once at a Buffalo Exchange of all places. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say Buffalo Wild Wings. And this is this is fine, but I wanted it to be that. <laughs> yeah, um, so I went in to like bring a bunch of stuff and there was a huge line. It was like probably spring cleaning times. And so it was like probably like 20 women in a line and you're supposed to stand with your stuff. We all want to be browsing, okay? You have to stand yeah. with your stuff. And this guy, his stuff was there, but like he wasn't there. And so when he came back, I go, no, we're all sitting here waiting. You have to fucking go. And he wouldn't. And he sh- and like... We got into it and I was kind of like fighting him, but no one else did. And he just sat there and then like he got away with it. And it's like, if this was 20 men, you wouldn't have pulled that shit. Yeah. You would not have cut 20 women in line sitting with our stuff and broken the rules like this. And then all the staff too were like, he comes here, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck you. You did yeah. it because you can get away with it. They do it because they can get away with it. And it was well, just frustrating. I was like, if this was 20 men at Buffalo Exchange, there's no fucking way you would be yelling and like not moving and not respecting what we're saying. Like, we all want to browse. Do you think we all like sitting here waiting right. out like an hour to exchange our clothing? Like, that's not, that's not the case here. Yeah. Well. Because my sister had friends um, from back in the day and every party he would bring up and it was finally like, you all, you know, we all disagree with you. You know this. Yeah. We're asking you to stop bringing, stop it. And so now they're not really friends and he's not invited to any events anymore because it's like, they just, they just can't. They get off on pissing you off. It's like yeah. so weird. Like I have tons of opinions all the time. I'm not going to a dinner and yelling about, I don't know. It just seems weird. And even if you are, you're not going to a dinner where you know everyone has like the opposite opinion of being like, guess what bitches? And just like throwing gas on the fire, you know? Anyway, another uh, fuck the patriarchy intro from Lisa and Kara. Uh, Let's move on because we got to get the episode started. Of course, we need to tell you once again, I'm a broken record about our tour dates. This is being wide released on uh, October 11th, which means you still have time to get tickets for our shows in Washington, D.C., Charlotte, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Huntsville, Alabama, and Nashville, Tennessee. That's where we're going to be for the whole week of uh, October 16th through October 23rd. So go to that'smessuplive.com for tickets to that. And um, yeah, come. If you already have tickets, bring friends. We'd love to, you know, see a lot of you guys there. And Lisa, what do you think? Should we just get this fucking show on the road? Start the episode for today? This is yes. a, this is an iconic episode. I mean, iconic. just we're about to take you to one of the best openings you've ever seen of this television show. Hold on to your butts. All right, all right. Today's episode, Maternal Instincts, Season 17, Episode 6. Fuck you, Hulu. It is not Episode 5. It is 6. Should we start a change.org petition to get Hulu to renumber the episodes? We must have enough connections at Hulu to like be like, this needs to change. You I'm going to set up a meeting. This. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> you're ruining our lives. Okay. Anyway, we open on a bunch of hot babes playing violin in skin tight dresses. They're on stage <laughs> at a concert and they are For a fucking second, crushing. I forgot what episode this was in the moment <laughs> you said violin. I am like, I love this. I'm so I happy. know. 
Um, these girls are like moving their hips to the sounds of the drums. They are sexual violinists and they will not apologize for it. So now out of fucking nowhere comes a, a jazz flute soloist, a jazz flautist. And it's giving me like such big Michael Flatley, like Lord of the Dance vibes, just like the lighting and like everybody looks like they could be Irish. Then this jazz guy comes out He's definitely giving a more Russian vibe. Um, he is played by Zach McGowan, who's from Shameless and a show called Black Sales and a bunch of other stuff. And he is- Well, so in Shameless, I would love to share. I'm, I've probably shared this with you before, but him and Joan Cusack have um, a sexual relationship and Zach plays the sex addict. And at one point he's bringing tarps out and lubes and like 25 people are coming over for a giant gangbang. And like Joan uh, Cusack like pegs him and stuff. Like it's a wild I don't think I've ever line. seen Joan Cusack barely kiss anyone except for like Uncle Fester. Like I know she not, pegs this She guy. doesn't usually get like really sexual roles. And I noticed <laughs> because um, Joan Cusack is my only celebrity comparison. I'm sure I've mentioned That's, it on the podcast I, yes, before. Yes, but I don't, Thank you guys. People just are like, Joan Cusack? I mean, like, I took an acting class once where everyone had to look at everybody and tell everybody who your celebrity, like, is, like, who you look like. Oh, she's a cross between so-and-so and so-and-so. And, like, they were fully stumped on me. Like, they, I go, people have said Joan Cusack, and they were like, I guess. Like, no one had anything for me. Like, one person was like, maybe Sam B. I was like, maybe you're <laughs> that. I don't know, because you heard I do comedy. Like, anyway, it was so weird. What a weird, what a weird exercise. <laughs> also, the only person I've gotten is Tori Amos. Oh, yeah. But my parents, for some reason, they love dancing with the stars. And for a while, they thought I looked like Cheryl Burke. And I'm like, I don't look like Cheryl Burke, like at all. But they like cheered for her because they're like, it's you. And I'm like, it's, it's not. That is She's so like Asian. Funny. I mean, I love that for your parents, but also <laughs> you do look like Tori Amos. I never put that together and I'm like a huge Tori fan. Wow. Oh, that's wild. This is blowing yeah. my mind. Now I like can't uh, not see it. That's wow. the only thing I get. That's the only thing wow. I get out in the wild. Totally. And like today specifically, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe it's my new pieces in the front. Yeah, your new PCness. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. Okay. We're back um, to Zach. Sorry, we're back I brought to up tagging so early okay. into the episode. I love that Joe, Joan Cusack is getting some from this man. He looks like he has a hot bod. And then He's so hot. <laughs> he is just like fully jamming. The girls look pumped. Like this concert is running on all cylinders. Everyone's fucking freaking. Okay. The, they but finish. who's in the audience? That's what I want to know. That's what I like I really want to know who's paying tickets for this like violin, flute, rock, like like not but like jazzy rock concert. It's so confusing, but the crowd is there. They are all on Molly and they are all fucking raging, okay? <laughs> they finish and the crowd goes insane. He introduces the violin gals as Belladonna. They all take about I'm not really sure what's called Bella Belladonna cuz like it, it's like it, someone who speaks Italian write me and tell me because shouldn't it be belle donne like a plural but anyway that's who they that's are that's what my hat says yeah oh, no. remember my cherry bucket hat yeah it, doesn't it say Donna Bell maybe I think it does I can't I don't remember what's on your cherry bucket hat I'm sorry <laughs> but listen they are they are you know bringing down the house and the crowd loves it and and now we cut to a much more somber event and it is Rollins baby shower um we are in what looks like a bad 
like weird looking ballroom or something. And like, I- I'll get into it in a second. Well, because you're in New York, there's not one nice restaurant you could rent a room in. You have to be in a ballroom with nothing. Yeah, like, I, mean, I don't truly, get that. Truly, I'd rather see the inside of Rollins's apartment decorated than this weird ballroom. Like, it's so weird. Um, and she doesn't have friends. Like, who's there? I know. I don't know who any of these fucking people are, but it's a pretty packed shower. And her mother is played by Virginia Madsen, who's a very well-known actress of 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 note. I mean, I'm not going to go through her credits, but she's famous. And you know who her brother is, right? Virginia Madsen's brother? It's Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen. I never yeah, put that together. They're siblings. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Never put that together. Because I'm kind of obsessed with him too, just from the Quentin. Was he Quentin in the Justin days. Bieber video? I don't know. Yeah, he was in a Justin Bieber (laughs) video, I think. Okay, so Virginia Madsen, Mama Rollins, is just giggling the day away with Finn, and Amanda looks annoyed, and Carisi walks up and is like, "Uh, sorry, I'm late. And the mom immediately starts to flirt with Carisi, um, starts pouring them all champagne, (laughs) and Amanda's like, Mom, like, slow your roll. It's still early. And, like, you can tell that this mom gets sloppy, you know? And she's like, Amanda, don't worry. I'm going to have a Diet Cola after every glass. (laughs) And I'm like, that is a recipe for birth and bloat, if you ask me. And Rollins goes, because that works. And it's like, we're getting a... a SVU is very good at introducing a character and telling you pretty fucking quickly like what their deal is. And that is what's happening here. Like this mom is a mess. And you can kind of tell where a lot of Amanda's uh, bullshit probably came from. So again, parties in a weird... It's giving me Grand Prospect Hall in Brooklyn vibes. Like, not the main room of it, but maybe like a side room, you know? We make your dreams come true. You know that place? Like, I don't know. Oh my God. When I lived in New York, if you watched like t- like cable TV, which I'm sure like you barely did, but like... um because you're younger, you got these, like, they parodied them on SNL. It's, like, basically, like, this old immigrant couple that I don't know where they're from, but they're so cute. And they're, like, the Grand Prospect Hall in Brooklyn. We make your dreams come true. And it's just, like, dark weddings with, like, laser lights and, like, women wearing huge ball gowns. It's, like, a very specific kind of wedding that would be. But they've shot 30 Rock at the Grand Prospect Hall, and apparently it's haunted, and people saw all this ghosty shit when they were there. But anyway, that's the vibe I'm getting from the side room of uh, Amanda Rollins' baby shower. Um, It has like ruched curtains, a lot of brass. Like it's just not nice. Um, Benson is holding baby Noah and is like, oh, it's so great that you came to help Rollins with the birth of the baby. Like talking to Mama Rollins. And she's all like, well, I wouldn't, uh, she wouldn't want to miss any work, especially with that sergeant's job floating around. And Rollins is embarrassed because it's like, mom, stop like telling my boss like that I want a promotion or whatever. And Benson's like, oh yeah, like Amanda would be awesome. But the bad news is the position's already been filled. The new guy gets here tomorrow. And Amanda's like, yeah, mom, like shut up. But like, you can tell she's kind of disappointed. And the mom's like, great. Now you can focus on being a mama. And now we're at a hotel where the Russian flute player is having a martini. You know, he needs to unwind after a fucking electric concert like what he just gave. And up walks a woman in a dress and a short black bob. And she's like Mr. Smith. And he thinks her name is Savannah. So it's like these two are clearly like lying to each other. This is either a role play or some kind of, um, you know, sex work situation. But we can see plain as day that this is the hated Kim Rollins, but beloved Lindsay Pulsifer, friend of our podcast. Um, like this- I hope we get her this season. I hope we see her before Rollins' departure. Like I hope so I would too. love to see her set up on bipolar meds, making amends, 
I agree I, with I you. would love that. I agree with you, but I don't know if the show is like trying to give Amanda like big closure around all the people that are in her orbit. Well, hopefully they do. I hope so too. I wonder if she'll it's make it so the whole good. season or if she's only filming, like, is she going to leave, like, by episode two or, like, what's going on? You know, I wonder, but we'll see. It just makes me hate Dick Wolf. And I've never had these kind of feelings towards him, but, like, it makes me be like, what are you do? What are you doing? I would say the combination of that coming out and the John Oliver piece has, I've started to have a lot of feelings about Dick Wolf that I never had before in the past, like, yeah. three weeks, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, we know this is a sketchy situation. Like, why is Kim in a wig? Why is she meeting a flute player? Like, what the fuck is going on? And he goes, call me Anton. And I'm like, okay, Anton Smith. Like, that's a great name. Um, and he offers her a drink. And she's like, don't you have a mini bar in your room? So she's like, let's get to it. I don't have time for this bar drink. Like, let's get to your room. And he's like, New York, everyone's in such a rush. And then we cut to Kim rifling through the guy's wallet, taking cash, like putting her earrings back on, tiptoeing through the room. Then she opens the flute jackpot. She busts out of there with the flute and we see Anton like face down naked on the bed, passed out. And we're at the credits. One of the greatest openings, flutes galore. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're one of our listeners that doesn't watch SVU at all, I would at least put this opener on. Yeah. there, There's, like, no crime. There's no dead bodies. There's no blood. There's no screaming mother. Like, it's truly a flute concert. Yeah. And it is worth it. <laughs> and it's a flute concert mixed with Rollins family dynamics, which is pretty much this entire episode. So, um... We're in the precinct at the top of Act One, and Carisi is like, "Hey, Rollins, your mom seems great." <laughs> and Rollins is like, "Okay." And that uh, is such a pet peeve of mine. Oh, really? Like, like when you don't like someone deep in your life, and then someone meets them, and they're like, "Oh my god, they're great!" And it's like, "Yeah, everyone can be great for a lunch." Like, stop getting involved in people's family dynamics. Yes, like, but that because that is like what narcissists do. They like endear themselves to people. Like my dad, everybody that meets him loves him. You know, they're like, "Your dad's so fun," and I'm like, "Okay," you know, like <laughs> it's like a whole. It's like their trick. So anyway, um, he asks Rollins, oh, do you like that warp wipe warmer I got you? My sister swears by it. And Rollins goes, oh, that was you, in a way that implies she did not like the gift. And I am fully team Rollins on this one. I have a wipe warmer. They suck. They just, I got rid of it immediately when I got it. I never used it. It dries out the wipes. They are on every woman's registry. And if you are pregnant or having a baby, they are not necessary. Babies do not give a shit if their wipes are hot or cold. So they stop the baby wipe talk when they notice that Deputy Chief Dodds walks in with another dude who we quickly find out is Baby Dodds. Um, and this is Dodds' oldest son, played by Andy Carl, who is a Broadway baby. He played like the UPS guy in... Legally Blonde musical, and he's been in, like, a ton of uh, Broadway stuff. So nepotism strikes again. We talk about nepotism on this podcast all the time. And this motherfucker is getting a job totally based on his dad's connections. So in Liv's office, she's welcoming baby Dodds, and his dad's, like, bragging about all his achievements, how he signed up for special forces right out of college after 9-11. And baby Dodds is like, okay, Dad, settle down. He's like, I'm new to SVU, and I have a lot to learn. So he's at least trying not to be, like, a punk ass. Like, he's not showing up being like, uh, yeah, bow down, like, I'm a Dodds, you know? He's, I think, being pretty humble. So Ron Rollins shows up into the office. She meets Dodds and then tells them that Alessandra Bay, one of the violin girls that we saw earlier, one of the Belladonna, has been reported being assaulted in her hotel room. And uh, Dodds is like, uh, Rollins, you should probably be on desk duty. And Liv is trying to get Rollins to stay 
with baby Dodds and then ba- older Dodds is like, no, bring Mike with you. It's like a whole power struggle of who gets to go. And Rollins ends up getting like kind of fucked uh, and has to stay home and baby Dodds gets to go. So now baby Dodds is joining Liv on the call and eyebrows Dodds says, son, sink or swim. And it's like, all right, so weird. So now we're at the Park Milano, which I think that's a real hotel. And I think that's where my boss got married. And he always told me they had a really good burger. Anyway, my old boss. So now Carisi and Finn are giving Liv the entire lowdown. And she's like, uh, are you pulling security footage? And Finn's like, yeah. And then baby Dodds tries to pull like my daddy owns knows the owner bullshit. And uh, Finn's not here for it. He's like, the footage is on its way. Like, we don't really actually need you to pull strings on getting security footage. And then baby Dodds is like, okay, I can get the woman's statement. And Benson is like, it's actually called a disclosure. And there's no way I'm letting your frat boy ass handle a rape victim by yourself. Like, how about we go in there together? So in the room, this woman has a busted lip and she looks rough. Like, she really looks like she has been attacked. Like, great job to the makeup department and the acting. Like, she looks very shaken up. She says she heard banging and yelling outside her hotel room. When she opened the door, this guy just charged in, grabbing her. She screamed at him to stop and he covered her mouth and pushed her to the ground. She couldn't breathe. And then she starts coughing and baby Dodds is like, let me get you some water. And Liv is like, "Uh, uh, 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 uh." she could have DNA in her mouth or in her throat or fluids. Like you can't like wash that all away. So it's like, yeah, so he was all talk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, anything you need, I'm here to learn. And it's like, no, you're not. Right. Well, like, I think he's realizing very quickly how different it is from, like, regular copping or whatever he, wherever he's from. I forgot, like, where he came from. And so um, she tells Liv how this man raped her, and then she passed out. And then she says, I knew my attacker. It was Anton Krasnikov. He's touring with Belladonna. It was the flautist. So, done, done. What's going on? Next scene, Finn and Carisi are knocking on Anton's hotel room door and he opens the door shirtless. Like, wow. And he goes, wow, that was fast. I Because he just called 911. And they're like, why did you call 911? And he's like, oh, because my $50,000 flute is missing. And they're like, okay, flute boy, come down to the station and we'll file a report. So he thinks he's just going downtown to like deal with his missing flute. And this is crazy too, because like these classical instruments are really, really expensive. Like this is a wild connection. But when I went to summer camp, um, Yo-Yo Ma's kids were campers. He's like the most famous cellist in the world. And he left his cello one time in the back of a cab, which is worth like, I mean, probably half a million dollars at least. And like he got it back, but like shit's crazy. Anyway, in one of the meeting rooms at the precinct, Carisi walks in and tells Anton, oh yeah, we put an APB out on the flute, which is so funny to me. Uh, we got an APB. Uh, we're looking for a flute. Like, too funny. Like, APBs are usually supposed to be on people or cars, I guess. Um, and they're acting like they care about the flute, but they really want him to fess up about, about his whereabouts vis-a-vis the assault. And Anton was like, I was at a show with Belladonna. We had thunderous ovation. And then they, he goes, they love my flute here. <laughs> which I thought was so funny. He's like, oh yeah, Americans, they love my flute. And he tells them about meeting Savannah and he confesses that he's a happily married man, but she did come up for one drink. And he's like, with the jet lag, I must've fallen asleep. When I woke up, she and the flute were gone. So it's like, he never even thinks for a second this woman stole the flute. Like he's just, seems like an idiot. And then they bring up Alessandra and he's like, oh no, did someone steal her violin? Like, and he seems pretty, (laughs) like, he seems concerned about her violin and like, not like he's hiding something. And Finn's like, no, she was assaulted. And Anton's very shocked. And then they tell him, she says he's the one that assaulted her. And he's like, that's impossible. She's on another floor. And he also says, it's impossible. Why would someone like me need to rape anyone? Which we get a lot of guys saying that kind of shit on the show. And it's so funny, like that men don't understand like that what rape is really about. And so 
He's like, do you know who I am? I have 200 performances booked around the world in the next year. And like, again, who's buying tickets? I cannot believe that there's a jazz flutist selling out 200 performances around the year. Speaking of, that's messed up. Coming to a city near you, please buy our ticket. We're only doing 25. <laughs> like this guy's got an audience. So Liv is watching through like the fish tank window, unimpressed. And uh, she's like, oh yeah, I'm a celebrity. How could I possibly rape anyone? Which is like, yeah, half the show is celebrities raping people. And uh, did you see the thing I posted over the weekend, that TikTok? I really like it. This comedian is doing a bit where she goes, I want to start calling it raper. I'd like it to sound more like murderer or traitor and less like florist and artist. Like it's a great comment. Great point. Anyway, Lots of celebrities are rapers, is what I mean to say. Um, Rollins is defending him like he is pretty famous. I mean, he's been honored by the King of Sweden. (laughs) What are you talking about, Rollins? And then she goes, yeah, like he's just got a great reputation. He's beloved. It's not like there's whisperings about him. Like he's not like a Louis C.K. type. And then Liv is like, Rollins, remember your first case here? The Italian diplomat, and she's obviously referring to Scorched Earth, uh, where, you know, an Italian diplomat rapes a hotel maid based on Dominique Strauss-Kahn. And then Rollins says, um, yeah, but his affect just, like, doesn't match the profile. Baby Dodds walks in with security footage of Anton naked, pounding on Alessandra's door. He stays inside the room for 15 minutes and then leaves. So it's all kind of in line with her story. And he asks if Liv wants to watch, and she goes, I'll take your word for it. So it's like just, there's so many little, like, subtle moments of Dodds being like an idiot. Like, yeah, she doesn't really need to watch if you say that that's what happened. And then Rollins noticed that Anton is like completely out of it in the video. She's like, he seems like he's fucked up. Like maybe he's a victim too. And Liv's like, okay, let's get him tested, blood, urine, et cetera. And Rollins is like, yeah, we got to get Prince in his room too and figure out who this Savannah character is. So then Liv tells baby Dodds to pull the strings earlier about the security footage. And I'm like, why? We have the footage from Alessandra's floor. Like, why didn't we get Anton's floor? Like, this is so weird. But anyway, we're calling in the favor to the guy in the end. And just then they get a hit on the flute. It turned up at a pawn shop. Rollins is opening the file sent from the security footage of the pawn shop and to see who sold the flute. And she goes, um, it's buffering. Uh, let me go check it out on my computer. Immediately, like, Rollins is a horrible liar or, like, the actress makes a choice to let her lying be seen. And, uh, she sits at her desk and we immediately see her checking the footage of her sister Kim pawning pawning the violin. Like, it's clear as day that this is her sister. And she goes, oh, don't do this to me, Kim. And that's the end of Act One. So then... Act two, Rollins is still at her desk and everyone is closing in on her, like wondering about this picture. She lies to Finn and is like, yeah, there's like the file is corrupted. I can't get it open. And he's like, he doesn't really buy that because remember how we're all supposed to think that Rollins is really great at tech? He's like, you can't open it. I don't know if I knew that. No, remember like in other child, like downloaded child and other episodes we've done, they've been like, it's been Rollins being like, tip tap, tip tap. Oh, it's behind a firewall. And we're like, why is Teru not here? Why are we leaving this up to Rollins? They act like Rollins has like sort of a skill set involving tech. I didn't know that. I thought her skills were just um, watching a lot of TV shows and knowing about sports. And being flirty and being a major flirt and a gambler. Um, But yeah, she knows tech. So anyway, I think that's what gets Finn immediately a little suspicious. Like, Rollins is supposed to be good at tech. Rollins is like, "Um, it doesn't really matter. Anton's good for the assault. And Finn's like, yeah, but that girl probably drugged him. She goes... 
She played his flute and then stole his flute. And it's like, good one, Finn. Rollins is like, yeah, but he's not a Vic. And it's, it's, it is kind of shady. Like Rollins 10 minutes ago was like, I don't know, the guy's got a good reputation. Like, it seems like he might be a victim. And now the second she sees this is her sister, she's immediately like, this is cut and dry. This guy fucking did it. Let's put him in jail forever. You know, like it's kind of wild of Rollins, you know? I just, I don't get it. It's like, you know, your sister is a, just like, stop. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's crazy how, like, later in this episode, the mom's like, you don't stand up for your family. And I'm like, she really fucking does for how, what a hot mess Kim is. She's doing a lot bad right away for Kim, you know? And so Finn is like, are you sure there's nothing on the video? And she's like, no, there's nothing. And Finn's like, something is up. Rollins is acting sketchy. And she goes, walk me to the break room. Like, they're partners. They know each other. He, she's not going to get away with this for, um, like, long. So she's like, I'm just going to tell Finn. In the break room, she shows Finn the footage and, like, the like, confesses about, like, the Kim of it all. And Rollins had no idea Kim was even in New York. Last time she saw her... Uh, she robbed Amanda blind, like, I think left only the ice cube trays and then skipped town leaving after... This is after Amanda, she set up her boyfriend for Amanda to kill him, right? And so she's got a manslaughter warrant out for her. Finn is like, stay away from her and tell Liv what's going on. And Rollins is like, I can't, not with baby Dod Dodds around. He's going to snitch to daddy or IAB. And to me, it's like, you're not far enough in yet. You could literally just go in and tell like live that you just got it but she's already like you know winding the whole like IAB thing like I don't think IAB has a case here yet you got that image on your computer two seconds ago anyway she's like give me a minute to find her I'll ask my mom she'll know where she is I'll bring her in myself Finn agrees but he's very uncomfortable with this you know Finn likes to play it by the book so now, Baby Dodds is telling Liv that his hotel buddy recognizes Savannah as a working girl so it's not her first time okay, at, at a hotel, at the Park Milano. And Finn is buying time for Rollins and uh, tells them, yeah, yeah, she's running that pawn shop image through facial recognition and lives like, what's up with her? And Finn's like, oh, she's okay. She just needed lunch. And then he makes up a technical glitch about the whole picture and that like, and that Rollins is down there checking on it herself with Taru or whatever. So it's like, there, there's a lot of covering. Baby Dodds thinks, at least if we can confront Anton about the sex worker aspect, maybe he'll talk. Liv says, why don't we just tell him we already got the DNA back, even though they haven't? They always do this. They love to bluff. Um, they love to bluff people, and maybe it's shoddy police work, but... It works a lot for them. Rollins calls her mom frantically and her mom is doing the same shit Kim does, like gaslighting and always being like super calm, like calm down, darling, and playing dumb like, APB, John, what do these words even mean? Like she's being so annoying. She and also sounds rich, but I don't, I never got the vibe that they were wealthy. I know, but there, I think there's also a thing where like, maybe like she's like a Southern woman up in the city kind of trying to pretend to be something that she's not. Like she seems yeah. like she tries to buy like knockoffs at like TJ Maxx. You know what I mean? To like look richer than she is, but she does sound rich. Yeah, she's got the very Blanche Devereaux kind of voice going on. And Rollins says, here's what it means, mama. She meets me now or the police are going to take her ass down and I know you don't want headlines about your daughter being a prostitute. And the mom's like, I'll see what I can do and hangs up. And then the camera pulls out to reveal Kim is right there in Amanda's apartment snuggling with the fucking dog. And the mom is like, Kimmy, are you in trouble? And Kim like manipulates the mom so easily. She's like, you know, Amanda, she's always putting me down to build herself up. And it's like, putting you down with a manslaughter warrant, girl. Like, 
the delusion with Kim is like so out of control. And the mom's like, still, I think you better talk to her. Back at the precinct, they're showing Anton photos of himself pushing his way into Alessandra's room and he's freaking out. He's like, this is not possible. Like, I don't remember any of this. And he remembers that Savannah poured him a drink at the mini bar and she must have drugged him. And he admits that that is him in the picture, but he would never rape anyone. Like, that's not like his, he would never. And he's like, do I need to call a lawyer, someone from my embassy? And Carisi's like, we got to take you to the ER for tests to prove that you were drugged and we need to know. But it's been days by now. I think it's still the day after. And GHB stays in their system. I, I just know. feel like because they were so focused on his, it's like, the attack he perpetrated, they really didn't focus on the attack on him. On him. And they should have taken him for uh, swabs of everything immediately. immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do feel, I don't, I feel like they took him down to the station the next day and his, it wouldn't, he showed up shirtless and then like that's, he's been there the whole time. So, but now they're taking him to the hospital, but you're right. They should have done it earlier. And um, we also, they, they tell him that we also need to know how you booked Savannah. And he's like, well, I don't want my wife to know. And baby Dodds is like, dude, we could arrest you right now. And that's something your wife's definitely going to know about. So you can work with us or not work with us. It's totally up to you. Now Baby Dodds and Liv are going through uh, the info that they found out, which is that he found Savannah through Craigslist, he paid cash, and he used a fake name. And then Baby Dodds is like, well, I called the number and I booked an afternoon date with Savannah. And he's like really smug about it. Like, I'm already going undercover. And Liv is like, yeah, I don't really care about this sex worker. I want to close out the rape case. And Dodds is like, yeah, but if we don't track her down, he can claim we ignored that as a lead. And like, honestly, that's what just happened in Serial. But anyway, and with Adnan Syed getting his trial overturned. And um, Liv says she prefers to be kept in the loop and then walks off. And he's like, okay, listen, he follows her. He's like, my dad said I was supposed to take the pressure off of you, but if you don't feel comfortable delegating, that's cool. And it's so funny because it's like, you're putting it on her inability to delegate. It's just your first day at work and you're kind of going off a little bit half-cocked and she's trying to get you to chill out. So she's like, but she's very diplomatic. She's like, why don't we just keep each other abreast, you know? And then Amanda and Kim, meanwhile, meet at an outdoor cafe. It it very much feels like Bryant Park to me, but I can't it's, tell for sure. Yeah, it, it is, is right? It okay. is Bryant Park, 100%. Okay. I have killed time in that yes. park. <laughs> yeah. And there's like um, a fancy restaurant in there. And one time I took our friend Michael for his birthday lunch because he worked in that area. So I took him there. And then we used to do Korean bar. Yeah, I love that part of... New York. You, I used to go in the summer and sit outside and like there'd be pop-up like drink kiosks and stuff. And also I went ice skating there one time at the same place where Jill Zarin did her ice skating thing. Sub-Zero or something like that. It was so fun. I love ice skating. Anyway, so they're at Bryant Park, not ice skating, just meeting at an outdoor cafe. And Kim is like being... This is what infuriates me so much about Kim, how she just acts like everything is so chill and she's so, like, not pressed about anything because, like— Well, because she believes it. I bet she believes it. Everything's always taken her— Like, everybody's always kind of, like, cleaned up her messes for her. So she's like, life is just rainbows and fucking, you know, Pop-Tarts or whatever. And she asks Rollins immediately, wow, Amanda, are you having twins? Which is, like, exactly what a pregnant woman wants to hear all the time. And tells Rollins that she did not drug Anton and that he gave her the flute as a gift, of course, a $50,000 gift. 
gift. I don't think anyone's that great at blowjobs, but okay. And Rollins is about to absolutely lose it. And she demands that Kim turns herself in. And then the mom shows up and wants to have like a girl's day. She's like, let's get drinks. And it's very like, you feel how frustrating Rollins is because she's like, frustrated she is because she's like, I'm the only normal person in my family and I'm not even and that fucking normal. <laughs> pregnant. So pregnant. Yeah. Like I have You're so much stress. You're there for her baby shower. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild. So now they're at a sleazy motel where Dodds is supposed to be meeting up with Savannah, but uh, Kim's pimp is there and he and Dodds is like, and there's another girl that he brought, this redhead, and Dodds is like, I don't want her, no offense, my ex is a redhead, I want Savannah, like, where's my blonde? And then the pimp pulls a knife, and uh, his name is Slice, and he pulls a knife, and then Dodds pulls his gun, and Carisi shows up for backup, and the whole, like, thing is, you know, blown. And they make the pimp Slice texts Savannah and they're like, get her to show up somewhere. So now we're back at the cafe. Kim's like, how am I in trouble when you're the one who's knocked up? And I bet you don't even know who the father is. Like, she just keeps like cutting deeper and deeper. It's like Marlo, how she cuts with these comments. And the mom is like, that's not nice. Like, wait, that's our next. We should do which characters are which housewives. That's so (laughs) fun. Yeah. Kim, I would say Kim Rollins is like a Marlowe, trauma, deeply traumatized and lashes out. Um, and then she goes, the mom's like, that's not nice. And Kim's like, well, she shot my boyfriend. And Rollins is like, you set me up. And Kim's like, well, you pulled the trigger and now I'm on the run. And then Rollins is like, you robbed me. <laughs> like, I don't know why I have to keep pointing out that you are a full criminal. And the mom's like, girls, girls, I'm going to go get us some cocktails. And... Rollins is like, how dumb are you? There's a warrant out for you in this city. Why did you come back here to start turning tricks? Like, truly, she could have gone anywhere else where, like, there is not a warrant out for her and she could have probably lived for a while without anyone noticing. And Rollins says, you better come with me or I have to arrest you. And she's like, you wouldn't do that. You'd break mama's heart. And then she's like, my agent's calling me. I gotta go. And Rollins is like, yeah, you're pimp. You're not going anywhere. And then Kim does this, like, obnoxious, like, come and get me shit where she starts, like, skipping away from Amanda and being like, I was always faster than you. And then she's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me in front of all these people? And then she bounces right out of there. And it is frustrating. But also, Amanda, fucking arrest her. Like, you're breaking every rule. You're being shady. You're just as shady as Kim at the moment, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Just arrest Kim's annoying, but, like, stop giving her shots. If she runs away... And she's pregnant. Is she going to chase her down or shoot her? No, but there shouldn't. Have, she should have brought Finn. Like, yeah, yeah. I, she she's giving just chances. Met. Yeah, like it's kind of like, what do you expect from these people? Totally. You've known them your whole life, so like, I don't. I want to feel bad. I obviously am frustrated, but it's just like. Kim, I mean, you're Amanda, right. you're also making the worst decisions. The move would have been to have like brought Finn and Carisi and been like, just hang out over, like hang out somewhere hidden. And if she tries to make a run for it, grab her. I'm going to try to get her to turn herself in, but grab her if she yeah. if she runs. You're right. You're right. Um, so now we're in interrogation. They've got Slice. He has no idea where Savannah is. And Finn comes to tell Liv that the DNA is back and Anton did rape Alessandra. Like, so what, like, the fuck happened? So Finn's like to Liv, okay, can we just shut this shit down about the sex worker? And she's like, nah, like, I gotta let baby Dodds have this. Like, he's working on it. I gotta, like, let him have his little bone. Finn makes, like, some shady comment about baby Dodds, and she goes, look, I asked you to take the sergeant's exam, and you said no, so now we have baby Dodds. Deal with it. 
So Slice lawyers up and Dodds threatens him a bunch and then they leave and Liv tells Dodds that they're dropping the whole Savannah thing. They got the DNA. They tried to find her. We're in the clear. Like we did, we like, we did our best efforts. And he's like, well, what about the image from the pawn shop? And Finn says, Taru's backed up and Rollins went back to check on it and he's still covering for her. And she asks Finn again, what is up with Rollins? And he stonewalls. And she says she appreciates him having his partner's back. Get her ass in here now. And it's like, uh uh-oh, mom is bad. So now they're talking to Anton and he's like, I swear I was drugged. And they said, they're working with her pimp to find her. And he goes, oh, a pimp. So these are bad people. And it's like, you found her on Craigslist and you did pay her. So like, you know what she does for a living. And uh, they tell him- She could have been an independent contractor. True, but why does it make her a bad person that she has a pimp? Oh, I thought he meant like the pimp. Like these are bad people. Like, uh, you know, like they're. I think he's cr- talking you know, about criminals. Savannah too. He's like, these are all bad oh. people, and it's like you kind of knew what you were getting into. Like, you know, yeah. like uh, finding someone on Craigslist too. You know, it's not like you went with. It's not like you you found one of Delia or Ganzel's higher end girls. You know. Anyway, they tell him they found the flute, and he's so relieved because he has a concert in Mar- Montreal tomorrow. And Carisi's like, "Yeah, bro, you are not going to Montreal tomorrow. You're being charged with Alessandra's rape." And he looks devastated, and he's like, "Let me talk to Alessandra." And they're like, "Yeah, that's absolutely not going to happen." So now Liv is talking to Rollins and confronting her about all her sketchy behavior, and that she's obviously confessed about Kim. So Rollins is explaining, like, "I thought it was the best course of action would be like setting up a meet, walking her in without a struggle." But then Finn goes, "Oh." But then she never showed up, right? And Rollins is like, it's okay, buddy. You can stop lying for me now. Like, I'll take it from here. She's like, she did show up, but she was being a little baby bitch. She wouldn't listen to me. And they're like, so you just let her go? And Rollins is like, I wasn't going to pull out my gun and shoot my sister while my mom is on her way back with mimosas. (laughs) And I really like that line too. Um, And Liv is like, you could be charged. You could be fired. Like, why would you put your neck out for your fucking sister like this? And Rollins is like, you got to call off baby Dodds. And Liv's like, I can't. And Liv says... Um, all the communication with Rollins' family from now on has got to be recorded and you better figure out a way to get Kim's ass in here. And Rollins is like, I tried. She will not listen to me. We all know how crazy she is. Then Dodds walks in at that exact moment, baby Dodds, and he's like, guess what? Just got an ID with facial recognition from the pawn shop still. And he obviously has ID'd Kim Rollins and he, Liv asks him to close the door. And she tells him, listen, I just found out myself, but Rollins and Finn are going to solve this. Like, don't worry. But it took him two seconds to run it through facial ID, it feels like. And so all this stonewalling is very obvious that she's been lying. So they bring Mama Rollins in and tell her that they're filming her. And she's like, I'm ready for my close-up. Like, she started, you know, she's very Blanche. And then uh, she's already covering for Kim, like, saying, you know, she doesn't know where she is and this and that. And then Dodds is like, there is an outstanding warrant on her. And she's like, well, I don't know where she is. And they're like, listen up, bitch. Kim's pimp is pissed at her and he thinks she stole money and we better find her before he does or he'll hurt her or possibly worse. And this kind of sways the mom. And she's like, I've been trying to call her, but she's not answering. And then suddenly Kim calls the mom on her cell phone and they have a little chat. And when they hang up, she's like, they're like, where is she? And she's like, finally reveals she's at Amanda's apartment. I've been putting money aside for her and that's where she went to go get it. The cops pull up as Kim is trying to make a run for it. She says, Slice is up in her apartment and he's not doing so well and that it was self-defense. Kim starts screaming at Amanda, why won't you let me live my life? I wrote, and why don't you go do illegal shit in one of the many other cities where your sister is not an active detective? It's really strange. Like, go to Philadelphia. Like, I don't know. Upstairs, Carisi and Finn find Slice on the floor of Amanda's apartment, bleeding from his nuts, and they arrest him. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know, we got a lot of 
guys getting their dicks injured on the show. So now at the top of act four, we're at the precincts. Kim's being let in in cuffs and she's like, can you please take these cuffs off me now? Like she thinks she's getting special treatment for being Kim's sister. And Finn just goes, no. And her delusion, I feel like is truly limitless. Like she acts like they're just hassling her and won't let her just like do her thing. And Mama Rollins is immediately like, walks up and is like, oh heavens, my baby. She has blood on her. What did you do to her? And Rollins is like, no, this dumb bitch decided to slice up slice. And Kim goes, he had it coming. Very cell block tango from Chicago. (laughs) Baby Dodds lets them know that Slice is going to pull through. Thank God. He lost a lot of blood, but he's going to make it. (laughs) And and Liv tells Finn to drive Amanda and her mom home and that she's going to talk to Kim. And Amanda's like, well, then I'm staying here if you're talking to Kim. And Liv's like, "Uh, actually, bitch, no, you're not. I'm calling the shots now. Kim, keep your mouth shut till a lawyer gets here, which they that's a courtesy. They don't usually do that to people. Like, they usually try to get to them to talk before the lawyer gets there. Then she's like, Finn, get these other two Rollins broads out of here now. And so they all leave. And the next scene, Kim is manically nodding her head alongside her lawyer, who looks like he's been practicing law for about five minutes. He says, Kim has nothing to hide, and it was obviously self-defense. Like, we're happy to help. So Liv's like, okay, spill it. And Kim's like, well... Slice kept texting me and he was real pissed. You guys should not have told him about the flute. And it's like, this is why she's so enraging. Like, it truly is like always someone else's fault. It's not your fault you stole the flute. It's their fault they told your pimp about the flute. So she had to leave town and she's like, "Uh, I gave my money to my mom who took it to Amanda's apartment. So I just went back to get it. And Liv's like, okay, well, how did Slice find you? And the lawyer goes, why don't you ask him? He's been stalking her. And Kim's like, yeah, he was so mad and banging down the door. She tried to keep him in the hall, but he just barged in and beat her up. And then she like shows the bruising on her face. And she goes, so I lied and said the money was under the couch. And when he went to get it, I grabbed a knife. He turned and lunged. Next thing I know, he was on the floor and I was running. She's telling the story like it's like a cute folk tale about like a fox and a turtle. Like it's wild. She's like, and then the next thing that happened, like she's got a, a grin on the entire time. And I think that makes it hard for anyone to see her like as a victim. It's like lose the Cheshire cat. Grin, Kimmy. So Carisi clarifies that this money is from stealing and selling a flute. But Kim and her lawyer are still on the whole the flute was a gift angle. And the lawyer's like, the meeting between her and Anton was completely Like, he has 200 shows. Why would he give you the flute? He's busy. Exactly. Um, So someone has my Zoom recorder, it's uh, been stolen. (laughs) Someone, like, fucked you so good. You're like, take my Zoom recorder. Oh, my God. (laughs) You need to have this. That was the best night of my life. (laughs) So, um, the... The the lawyer clarifies that her meeting between with Anton was totally legal. They met online. They went on a date. And I guess because it was cash, they can't really prove that any money changed hands. So Liv's like, okay, so after one date, this guy sweated you so hard, he gave you his $50,000 flute. And she's like, yeah, he said it was insured. He wanted to help me get my life together. Maybe help me go back to school. And then if there's any money left over, maybe give it to Amanda and the baby. And like, it's so manipulative. And Amanda and Finn are watching through the glass. And Finn is just looking at Amanda. And Amanda's like, I know. I know. Like, I know. We all know what, like, we've seen this bitch before. And uh, she's like, it's been my whole life with this manipulative little fucker. And Kim says, yeah, Krasnikov was a little drunk. Um, He'd taken a couple pills. He offered me some, but I don't do drugs. They make people do crazy things. And it's like, you did drugs like three episodes ago, dog. And then... The lawyer interrupts and says, let's stop here. And Kim is like grinning at this guy like a dork and is like, I will refer, defer to Mr. DeSapio. And so Kim's like, oh, and how Anton 
assaulted that poor woman. If he hadn't done that, none of us would be in this situation. And it's like, crazy. Like, wow, this girl plays gymnastics with her own mind. So now we are in court at arraignment. Krasnikov pleads not guilty while all the Belladonna women are in the courtroom. And his lawyer argues that he was under the influence of an anesthetic narcotic given to him without his consent by a known criminal. The ADA is like, well, that was an escort he hired who denies giving him anything. And there were no drugs found in his system, which is a huge huge point of content, like in the episode, because it's like, wow, why did you do that? If there weren't, I was under the assumption this whole time that this guy had been drugged with some, they were going to tell me about some crazy new drug from Brazil that I've never heard of or whatever. And he was on- But we know about all the drugs. And that's why I was worried that they didn't drug test him sooner. GHB, I thought, leaves your body after 24 hours. Scopolamine is untraceable, right? Yeah, I think maybe. Some of them are untraceable. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, obviously this show, all the men are constantly guilty, but like, I don't think this dude's a rapist. I know. But like, he did it. It's just, it's twist. It's like, it is a But it's also case. crazy. Like, if you were drugged, okay, why would you go down to another floor and to the room of someone you knew? If you were fully drugged, why didn't you just bang on a bunch of rooms on your own was, door and attack was he the not first banging? person? I think he was banging on all the rooms and then she recognized him and opened it, or no? He was banging on her door and Only. then she let the door. Yeah, and well, no, he was maybe banging on other doors, but he went to a different floor. Like, it's kind of nuts. He went to a different floor and went to a room of someone he knew. And I think that's what the cops at the beginning are like, you knew where her room was. And he's like, oh, well, we checked in together. Like, that's like, you know... Yeah, Uh, it is. I agree with you. I don't think he did it, but they make this episode very nebulous, and you're you're kind of like, what did happen? Like, because if you're just on a crazy drug binge that turns you violent, which by the way, it doesn't seem scopolamine does that. Scopolamine turns you into like a pliable zombie. GHB turns you basically passed out, I think, or pliable. Nothing turns you into a rage machine who will go rape. Maybe there is something and I don't know about it. I'm waiting for Melinda Warner to tell me what the fuck this is. No, you're right. All the drugs incapacitate, not... Like, cause this furor. So, like, then it's, like, not only that, but you don't just hit your first victim. You go down and you find someone that you know. So maybe it's, like, something that was deep down beside inside him that he wanted to attack this woman. I don't know. They didn't even show at the beginning, like, a look between him and her. You know what I mean? Like, that maybe he has a crush on her or something like that, you know? Well, and I feel usually we're pretty discerning um, audience members that, like— when someone is lying up top, we kind of see yeah, that. Yeah. Like, we know what's up. Like, he did really play it as though he really he had, had no, no idea. idea what was going on. So, <sighs> but also, he must have been kind of on something because it's like, if he really wanted to just, like, rape this woman, it would have made a lot more sense to just walk down to her room and be like, hey, want to have a drink and then attack her rather than run through the hallways of a hotel naked Maybe she wanted to fuck him. The most famous flautist in the world. Maybe she would have wanted a, but I know. It's oh, if not he about hadn't that. come in at her like that. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, if he had maybe gone, if he had maybe like actually tried it, it, like to hit on her, maybe. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the ADA was like, no, he was on a sex and drinking binge turned violent. Krasnikov speaks up and goes, this is a nightmare. I don't remember any of this. And then ADA is like, um, we won't remand, Your Honor. Like, this dude is an international superstar flautist with the means to flee. And his lawyer is like, but he needs his passport to travel. It's like, not a great argument, sir. That's exactly why they're <laughs> taking it away from him. So he's not making these concerts and they remand him without ba- bail. 
And if you know about the actual justice system, if you get put away without bail, like you're not getting out for a long time. Like courts take a while. Like he's not making any of his concerts. So um, he does have a moment in the courtroom where he tries to make eye contact with Alessandra, but like she's not, won't look at him. And then Alessandra chases down Benson is like, are people going to buy this drugging story? Like they said there were no drugs found in his system. And she says he definitely knew what he was doing. So it's weird. Like she doesn't even say he seemed like a zombie. He seemed like an animal. There was no getting through to him. She says like, he seems like he knew exactly what he came there to do or whatever. But again, yeah, yeah, she's the victim. So our focus moves to Amanda, who is now chasing down Mr. DeSapio, trying to get him to understand how supremely fucked up her sister is. And she's like, you don't get it. Like Kim doesn't hear anything she doesn't want to hear. And Amanda says, you told her if she doesn't take this plea, she's looking at a long stretch, right? And he's like, don't worry. I spoke to the ADA. We're all on the same page. Now we're back in court for Kim's arraignment. Rollins is trying to get scoop from Carisi. Like, do you think Dodds is running his mouth about my backdoor dealings in this episode? And Carisi's like, I think we only have to worry about if he tells his dad. And the judge is like, welcome back to New York, Ms. Rollins, which I love a little bit of judge shade. And uh, they bring up the manslaughter charge in the death of Jeff Parker, who was her ex-boyfriend that Rollins shot. And Kim is like, oh no, I can explain that. And the ADA pipes up to say that they are also charging her with grand larceny and assault. But in exchange for a guilty plea for her manslaughter charge, the people are willing to drop the charges of flute stealing and pimp stabbing. So now they ask her how she pleads and we see her whispering to Mr. DiSapio a lot and touching his arm and like smiling at him and like they're flirting at a bar. And DiSapio- Real sisters, real sisters, very similar. This is where you see their sisterly traits come out. Exactly. Both flirt machines. Yes. DeSapio reluctantly says not guilty on all charges, which totally reneges the plea deal. And the ADA is like, okay, cool. We will proceed on all charges then. And they remand her to Rikers and she acts like she just um, won an award. Like Kim is like huge grit on her face. And I think we don't know she's bipolar yet. I don't, right? I don't think we know she's bipolar as of this episode. I think this is what they're setting up. Like, no one is getting remanded to Rikers with a huge smile on their face. Like, Rikers is a nightmare. Like, that's not fun. So, outside the courtroom, the squad is talking to Amanda, and Carisi's like, yeah, imagine the headlines. And he's like, he always says dumb shit like this, and I think that's why, like, I've never been really horny for him. I always feel like he says the wrong thing at the wrong time. He's changed a lot, but at these early seasons, it's like, Yeah, that's what she wants to hear right now, that her sister's going to be in the headlines. Thank you so much, Carisi. So Amanda stops her mom and is like, you got to talk to Kim, mom. She's making a mistake. And now we see like exactly the delusional tree that Kim's apple came from. Like she is, Mama Rollins is like blaming it all on Amanda. If you hadn't arrested Kim, she'd be safe and out of town and a fucking fugitive of the law. And Amanda's like, "Uh, her pimp could have killed her. And her mom's like, oh, she handled that man just fine. Kim can take care of herself. This was about you choosing work over family. And it's like, she literally chose her family over work for a lot of this episode. And then Mama Rollins says, sorry, darling, I can't stay to help with the baby anymore. And it seems like you've got it all covered. And she's like, I'll be back for Kim's trial. And then maybe by then you'll have learned the value of family. And like Virginia Madsen might drop out. Rollins is like flabbergasted. She looks like she just got hit by a truck. Like her eyes are widening and she like, you know, and then she starts to feel faint. Like the stress of all this is getting to her. And she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then the squad's all like all around her and they she fully passes out and they take her to the hospital. So now in the waiting room, Carisi is stressed and he's like, is she going into labor? And Finn's like, they would have told us, shut up. And then he immediately tries to talk shit about her family with Finn. She's like, he's all like, well, Rollins is family, huh? And Finn's like, yeah, all family has shit. And Carisi's like, 
Yeah, but her family has a lot of shit. And it's like, I don't know, Finn's ex-stepson was a murderer played by Ludacris. And Carisi, you have so much family drama coming up in the next few seasons. Like, your brother-in-law is getting, like, raped by his parole guard. Like, you guys have a lot going on. So they wheel her out eventually, uh, Rollins, and she's like, it was just a blood pressure spike from stress. I'm fine, and they're going to drive her home. Now Liv is in the office with eyebrows Dodds, adult Dodds, and suggesting that Amanda maybe take some time off before the baby. And then she's like, yeah, I'll try to get her to do that. And then he's like, how's baby Dodds doing? And Liv's like, he's really stepping up. And she, he goes, let me know about any issues. It's like, I don't really think that she needs to like report to you. There's like a whole process with that. And then baby Dodds comes in and is like, oh, is my dad checking up on me? Sorry about that. And Liv's like, shut the, there's a lot of shut the door in this episode. Meet me by the vending machines, shut the door. So Liv wants to reiterate, when I told you not to follow up on that escort lead, I truly had no idea it was Rollins' sister. I did not find out until you found out. Like, I found out five seconds before you walked in the room. And she's spoken to Rollins and Finn and will be continuing to do so. And Dodds is like, go easy on them. Family's complicated. And he knows everyone thinks he's like the boss's son and that he, they've got to watch what they say around him. But he's like, it's Vegas rules, baby. What happens at SVU stays at SVU. And he gives her his word. And they shake hands. And we, we get a feeling that we're not going to hate him the way we have hated Dodds because Dodds has been such an asshole to Olivia for so many seasons. No, but um, after watching this episode, I continued watching a few more. And Patrimonial Burden is right after this. And we did that. And it's like the one set up uh, based on the Duggars. Mm -hmm. But he is like shitting on Benson to Finn in the elevator. I don't know if you remember. Oh. But he's like, oh, I've, I've done this with the Hasidics, blah, blah, blah. And Finn has to be like, no, if she thinks there's a crime, there's a crime. Like, you need to stop. And, like, so he's good in his nature, but I think it's, he's still. Oh, yeah. He's not going to change in one episode, but I think we're not going to fucking, like, furiously hate. Like, there were episodes yeah. where I hated eyebrows so much. Like, he's just being yeah. so awful to live, like, just to, as the show loves to do, just to make her life miserable. Anyway. So now at Rikers, Amanda is visiting Kim and she walks in and Kim's like, Amanda, and gives her this big hug, kind of like the way they she tries to reset every time they see each other. And Amanda's like, what do you want? I need to get to work. Like, it's like, I don't have time to really be at Rikers and I'm also about to like pop pregnant. And Kim tells her, I just wanted you to know that everything's going to be all right. And she starts gushing about Lorenzo DiSapio, her lawyer, and how he wants to go to trial. He wanted to go to trial, but she called him off. And uh, Rollins is like, wait, what are you even talking about? And she's like, Lorenzo said a lot of stuff when he met with the DA, like how you didn't tell Liv when you ID'd me or let people know that I was even in town. Also a lot of personal stuff between us, the cycle of abuse, how you were raped on the job which I don't, like, recall the timeline of this season that well, but I don't know if we knew that already, like, that she was raped on the job, because I remember she was assaulted, we thought, by one of her captains, but was that what they're talking about? Like, by the Harry Hamlin character, I thought. But is this what they're talking about? I don't know. Anyway, she's like, your gambling addiction, all that would have come up during the trial, and I didn't want to put you through the, the stress of testifying. So, weird part of this like manipulative game she plays is that she sets up all this chaos and then acts like she's saving the day. And she's like, Lorenzo's going to come up with another plea, like an umbrella plea. And I'm going to testify against Anton. Again, acting like she did not have a hand in drugging him. She definitely drugged him. I don't know what, because she made him pass out, I think, before they did anything and stole his flute. I think she drugged him to rob him. But it definitely facilitated what happened in some way. Um, but... 
like, I do think she's kind of a, an accessory to this sexual assault for sure. And she says, um, Lorenzo thinks I could be out in under a year, which I don't really know with manslaughter and la- grand larceny and assault, how that would happen. But Amanda's like, it's not going to happen, babe. And she says, well, either way, Lorenzo says he's going to wait for me. I think he's going to marry me. Wouldn't that be something? And she like looks kind of evil. And, and she says, like mama says, everything works out in the end. And it's like, yeah, and that's Dick Wolf. And I I do think it's kind of weird that the show never, like, they don't always show you the court, like, verdict coming in, like the jury saying guilty, but they will have, like, a, lo- a throwaway line where it's like, by the way, Anton's lawyer got him talked down to three months in jail. He'll be playing concerts by the end of the year. You know what I mean? Or, like, something just to sum up what happened to Anton. Like, in the SVU universe, we have no idea what the fuck happened to Anton. And we got no closure on our flute guy. No, but this was a really fun episode. Lots of dynamics. I do want to know what happened to Anton, but I will tell you what happened in the real case. I can't wait. I know nothing about it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so this guy that this story is based on, it, it's with an F. Is it Stefan or Steven? I think it's, it's Stefan because he's German. Yeah, but I only think of Bill Hader, you I know? know. Well, <laughs> I actually have a friend whose kid is named this, and it's Stefan. So I don't Stephen. know if it's like Stefan, Stefan, but yeah, it does remind me of New York's Hottest Club. DJ Snooze and Lucci. <laughs> um, and his last name is Arsberger with a Z in there. So that's exciting. So this guy, he's a German national. He's a violinist. No flutes here. (laughs) Um, And at the time of the incident, he was playing with his colleagues in the Lipsig String Quartet. World-renowned. I don't know. (laughs) World-renowned. Yeah, I guess people see this type of music. You know, there's all different types of people. And people are seeing this quartet and they're popular. Um, To me, it's just like, when we're talking about the episode, though, it's just like, there's people that go see classical music and then there's people that go see, like, you know, rocky, more upbeat music. I just didn't know that there was, like, an overlap where, like, jazz, flute, violin would be super popular. But there is. (laughs) Um, so he came to town with the quartet on March 20th, 2015 for a brief tour. And the concert was at the Library of Congress, which I think is cool, right? So when you say he came to town, where did he go? D.C.? Well, no. Okay, so... He came to the States with the quartet on March 20th, 2015 for a brief tour. It included the concert at the Library of Congress, which he did. And then the next one was going to be the Harvard Club, but he missed it because he was in police custody. Ooh. So he was accused of barging naked into the room of a 64-year-old woman at a Midtown hotel in New York. Um, He was staying in there um, while he was on tour. And it was March 27th, 2015 was the day of the attack in 
New York City. He was trying to strangle her and was charged with attempted murder, burglary, strangulation, and assault, and a civil suit from the woman. Uh, The woman's name is Pamela Robinson, and she was a tourist from Asheville, North Carolina. I've been there. Oh, gosh, me too. It's cute. It's fun. I like yeah. it there. No, Asheville's great. It's like the artsy, cute. It's not that there's not other great parts of North Carolina, but everyone says like Asheville's like the artsy kind of like hipster yeah. area. Of I North had Carolina. good biscuits. I had a good hike. Like it was, I stayed in a shady motel. I'll tell you that much though. <laughs> but a lot of breweries and retired people, I was into it. Um, so she left with injuries, including um, bruising and burst blood vessels in her neck. So he really pressed down, I would say. Um, His defense was that he was drugged by a sex worker that he brought to his room earlier in the night of the attack, who done done was a man. (gasps) DNA style, though, this is all old. It was like someone that was trans. But I I don't know if it was like a drag queen vibes or full trans vibe. Like, I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Not, you know, man DNA style. I'm not like misgendering Yeah, it was biologically <laughs> male DNA, but if this person was presenting as a woman, we don't know if this person was presenting as a woman or not. Like, or a performer. Like, we yeah. really don't know. Yeah. Um, hotel video surveillance shows Arsberger going into his room accompanied by a woman who later turned out to be biologically Jerry Neptune, a.k.a. Natalie Prose. So... Okay. You know, this is very close to the episode, I would say. Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. You just yeah. keep saying okay, so I didn't No, know. no, no, All no, right. no. Like, I, yeah, it's so close. I'm kind of thinking that maybe this was a trans sex worker if they were presenting as a woman to the surveillance video, you know, like, and- A hundred percent. But I know. don't know if it's like for work or an all the time situation. Yes. yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of- um, like that, that does happen, know, yeah. I only know what I know. Yeah. So the- the tape showed that this person, Neptune, a.k.a. Natalie, um, left the room of Arsberger alone with the violinist's iPad under their arm. The tape also shows Arsberger stumble out of his room and was naked and mindlessly knocking on guest doors. He said that he remembered nothing at all from that night. He says that he was drugged at a bar and was disoriented for five hours and that he got robbed. All the credit cards that were taken were used with what People Magazine called high criminal energy. I love and that. serious damage. Oh my God, can we make merch that says high criminal energy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's why I, I stumbled a little because I was like, wait, what is it? Yeah, I, I wonder what that means. Just like probably going to Barney's and buying like Louis Yeah, Vuitton I think bags. you just see charges that are out of the norm and like crazy and you're like, well, that's high criminal energy. We should, yeah, next time we're out and about, we should be like, oh, that guy's giving me the high, high, high criminal, criminal energy. energy. <laughs> <laughs> we got to skedaddle out of here. So so this so this um, person just took an iPad and meanwhile, the violin is probably worth a lot more if you yeah. take the violin. Unless you're in the know. I don't know if you know yeah. that instruments are a lot, but so much craftsmanship. You should yeah. know that a lot goes into making it. And maybe harder to sell. You can sell an iPad like anywhere and like no one's going to bother to bother to like but a violin you might have to go to like a special place to sell it. I don't know. Yeah. Um but the NYPD said that they could not find his name on any complaints regarding stolen credit cards. So he was saying that he was robbed but he didn't file any complaints but also if he was drugged 
and was woken up naked, then like where would he have had time to file the complaint? Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if that's even important. So basically, Pamela's lawsuit says that she answered the door of her room at the Hudson Hotel near Columbus Circle. And I have stayed there in 2012. Oh, is it nice? It is gorgeous. I mean, um, it was, I got Comedy Central's like comics to watch. It was my first time like getting flown out and put out for something like that. And the rooms are tiny. It's New York, but yeah. very sexy, very comfortable. I was so happy to be there. But um, what was amazing is like, the lobby's all plants. There's just like plant walls everywhere before plant walls were a thing. So <laughs> it was a it was a gorgeous hotel. I remember having like great drinks. Like I remember feeling very, very special to be there. Maybe we should go. But Hudson Hotel, it is nice. It's oh, really interesting. nice. Okay. Um, we're just never like none of my social engagements, unless it's Broadway, are ever like uptown. You know what I mean? I know, but I've spent a lot of time around Columbus Circle because I lived on the Upper West and I don't remember that hotel, but like I probably just I know oh, yeah. like I was staying in hotels, you know. You should Google the lobby unless they've remodeled. It was like fucking gorgeous. But oh, I was nice. also younger, like I might have higher standards now. I might be now like, what is this trash? But <laughs> no. plants are I'm so not a 2012. Snob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so around 8 a.m. Pamela said that she answered the door and was confronted by Mr. Arsberger, who was completely naked, pushed his way into her room, seized her by the throat, and, in quotes, violently shook her and threw her around, bashing her head into the walls and shelves of the hotel room closet. She was saved by hotel employees who entered her room and pulled him off of her. They had heard her screams while they were looking for a loose, naked man. So, like, <laughs> they saw... Like, he was not... That's why I brought it up in the episode. So this guy was, like, running around knocking on all these doors. Yeah. And the security footage shows that. So I don't know if they just saw the security footage and were looking for him or people were calling. But so they were running around looking for this naked man, heard her scream, managed to get him off of her, and then the violinist fled to his room and was arrested by police shortly after. After his arrest, his passport was seized and he was released on a $100,000 bail, but he was stuck in the U.S. Um, and for the case, he would stay at friends' houses. Um, but he, yeah, he missed his wife. So he was kept here for 15 months um, wow. throughout everything. So he had to stay here. But the music community was on his side. And they did like GoFundMe style and raised money and let him crash at places and paid for him to stay places. And the quartet made comments and like everyone was very much team Stefan. Okay. Like a lot of people were like, we've got his back. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, But a lot of, you know, it's a little frustrating because in all of the statements from the quartet and all these musicians, like, no one even mentioned Pamela. And it's like, even if you don't think the Stefan guy did anything, like, you can at least... It's very Erica Jane. Yeah. It's very Erica Jane, where it's like, if you feel like you're going to be... If you have empathy for these people, then it, it, like then you're admitting you're guilty. And it's like, you could have not been, quote-unquote, at fault and you were drugged or whatever, but like all these people could have at least said, and we're so sorry what happened to that woman. Like, I just think it's fucked up. It's very boohoo. I had to sell my violin for legal fees. And it's like, okay, but you did attack, physically yeah. attack a woman who is now scarred for life and might have like psychological and emotional trauma forever. So it's like, I was very much annoyed by the whole music community that was just like, we're, we have his back. He's been, you know, he's the victim. And it's like, no, there was a victim. Like, fuck off. 
So that's just very Erica Jane. And you can support him while also acknowledging and we're so sorry what happened to her. So in 2016, um, though prosecutors dismissed the attempted murder, strangulation, and burglary charges against Arsberger, he did um, cop to the misdemeanor assault and was sentenced to an unconditional discharge, served no jail time and no fine, and that was part of a plea deal. The official charge was reckless assault in the third degree without a factual admission. I don't really know what that means, but uh-huh. I added it. Um, he also waived his right to appeal as part of the plea. And his lawyers insist that he was too high for the necessary intent needed for the top charges. But like I said, there was no evidence of any drugging at all. No evidence. There was nothing found in his system. No drugs found and at all. And the cops, like I mentioned, said that he did not seem drugged. I mean, there was I'm, no signs. I'm literally just really quickly Googling like drugs that make you violent. And like, obviously there are, but it's like cocaine, methamphetamine, bath salts, uh, synthetic marijuana. Like, it's just not really the kind of thing that someone who's trying to rob you or fuck with you is going to sprinkle into your drink. Like, you're not going to be like, here's a little cocaine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can you wake up from ketamine wilds or no? I don't know. I guess I don't know. I mean, I know people that go into a K-hole therapeutically, so I don't really think about it like as something that makes you... It's not on this list of this random website I'm on. I don't no, know. No, but also nothing was found. So, the the you know, the prosecution's like he didn't have the necessary wherewithal to like commit this crime, but mm-hmm. like there is no evidence, but whatever. Um, he did get his passport back. He was able to go home after 15 months. Um, Newsday New York said the victim was satisfied with the plea and sentence, and but that's as prosecutors told the judge. Yeah. Um, and I did not find any information about the civil suit, but hopefully she got some money. I hope she got some, some money. fucking money, yeah. Um, and then the New York Post uh, reported that Neptune also took a plea deal for robbing Arsberger. And all of this for an iPad. Like, you drugged someone and stole their iPad. But we don't know. There's no signs. That's what yeah. I mean. Like, because they also found him the next morning. They probably, if he was saying he was drugged, they probably tested him. Like, but if she was okay with this plea and that, like, she did really feel that he was crazed and it wasn't a personal attack. Like, it was out of character. There wasn't yeah direct motive. What if someone, what if a big man opened the door, like, and he got his ass kicked? You mm-hmm. know, like, it was, she shouldn't have opened the door, not to blame the victim. No, but no, like, of course. But like, I don't open hotel room. I don't even, like, I guess it's like in his hallucination, he might have thought, this is a person who robbed me. This is a person who is fucking with me. But like, you're not wearing I wanna, clothes. Like you're yeah. definitely on something, right? I know the drugs aren't found. I want to make. I want to know what made her open the door. Like, was it the mo- what? Like, did she just open? Like, did she order room service? And yeah, it but like, out? there's a difference like, between the way that room service is going, knock knock, and the way a psycho naked man trying to assault you is probably knocking on your door, right? Don't those sound different? She's from North Carolina. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I, it's just like, it's fucked up. I would never blame this person. It could happen to anybody. But I I am just like, teens were playing pranks and I called downstairs going, I don't like this knocking. I'm like, maybe it's because I'm so high and like paranoid because yeah. of this no, podcast. I mean, she could have maybe just opened her door to see what the noise was and he barged in. You know, like, who knows? I'm certainly not blaming her. It's just like... Yeah. It's a weird case. I don't know. And is this guy a violent maniac? I don't know. The only thing that turned me off is 
that they're the mute, like the people that had his back didn't acknowledge that like someone that was someone, physically assaulted. Yeah. And it's probably traumatized. I mean, like that's horrible. Oh my God. Well, thank you for telling me about that. I truly knew nothing. And that is a very clear ripped from the headlines case. Very like, clear. Very ripped. <laughs> um, anyway, we have- And, and our guest is ripped. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? Guest. <laughs> I didn't. You, you beat me to that. Um, but stay right there. We'll be right back with our awesome guest. Okay, you guys. Today's guest is an actor who has had some truly diverse roles. He was a regular on the show Black Sales. He's been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he even got to play Joan Cusack's very kinky lover on Shameless. But you know him today as the flute-playing possible criminal, Anton Krasnikov. Please enjoy our hang session with the very cool Zach McGowan. With all of SVU, I don't know if how familiar, you know, they find a dead body, something always aggressive happens, yeah. but you playing the flute is the most wild start to any SVU <laughs> so in it its is, history. It has been so requested. Everyone's like, you got to do the flute episode and get Zach McGowan. We were like, yeah, we're working on it. And here you are. It was like the strangest thing in the world doing that flute thing. Like I had been just playing like all these like kind of badass characters and stuff. And then I like showed up and like started my flute lessons and it was just a blast. Like I kept thinking, what is it? It's like Anchorman or something. Is it Anchorman with the flute? Yeah, yeah with the I jazz guess. flute. Yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah, I, I so, it. so wait, that's what one of the things I was going to ask you, like, did you know how to play the flute? Did you, they make you take lessons just so you could have basic handling skills? Like so, what was yeah. the deal? So it was kind of funny. So, um, no, I don't know how to play the flute. Um, and, and I still don't know how to play the flute, but what they did do was, uh, I mean, basically, I guess the real incident was involved a, vi a, a violinist. Like that was, that was the actual, you know, uh, mu you know, mu musical instrument that was, you know, this guy was, yeah. was, was known for. And they asked me if I did that. And I said, no. And we were planning on, I guess, faking that, but then they came up with the flute thing and, um, Put me with like, I mean, basically like I was in a hotel in lower Manhattan with like this jazz flute guy who was awesome. And he was just kind of running me down the basics and teaching me that piece uh, of the, the thing. And so we just did that piece of it. So I don't know how to play like any other flute. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you played it. But yeah, you I mean, played. I, wow. Yeah, but then they had. I mean, I think they also made it okay. nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I, you know. But yeah, it was. It was like. Um, it was actually funny. We shot it at this nightclub. I forget what the nightclub is, but I, I had like it was like Marquee or something. I think it was Marquee. Like I'd been there a hundred times in my like high school days and all that. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm up there with these like violinists and it's super dramatic and uh it was fun and, and it was just it was like it, it was one of those things where i was like all right i just have to have to try my best and and uh, get it done so yeah yeah i was giving very big lord of the dance vibes <laughs> kind of like you know <laughs> like an instrumental rock concert almost in a way like that people were so psyched to see you guys and then you're this like sexy internationally sexy flute fl renowned flautist <laughs> i think it's like I Am I in like a tux? I think I'm in like a tuxedo with tails or something. Yeah, yes. you're in like a pretty fancy outfit, and so are the women. And it's really like I don't know. It's just it's it's a wild opening for us for you, and it makes the episode very memorable. And now, I will say that props to all the women in that who are because they're actually 
awesome violinists. Like those, oh, really? they are, they're like, you know, concert, you know, whatever the term is, they're like real violinists who perform as well as, uh, actors, uh, actors as well. So they were like the, I was just trying to, you know, keep up with them. I was yeah, like, yeah, does yeah. it look, I was like, does it look absurd or is, is this all right? <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> and of course was the Russian accent before or after you were cast for this? Um, it was uh, requested. I believe the the real person was like somewhere, you know, uh, in Eastern Europe was the, they were basically like, can you do an Eastern Europe or Russian accent? And uh, I'd actually never done it in another project on TV or in film yet. I've since done it quite a few times in, in projects. Yeah. But um, it was the first time and they had to kind of like, they had never heard it because I got the part on offer. So like- I was just like showing up and going to unveil this guy, you know. But you're not Russian. Well, my, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm from New York Well, City. because <laughs> we were stalking you on Insta, you know, doing some research yeah. and there were a lot of comments in Russian. And with the accent, I was like, I wonder what's up. Well, I think from other projects I've done and maybe even SVU, I do have like a good Russian contingent of fans that I, I, I see active on <laughs> you know, on the internet and whatnot. So um, respect to all my Russian fans. And I also have a lot of Russian fr uh, friends and my, like my brother speaks Russian fluently and stuff. So Whoa. I I have, I had like a high bar for myself. So, you know, cause I have, if you have like Russian friends, you know, if your accent's crap, they're going to just make fun of you. So, you know, so you got to try your best at least. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because looking at your IMDb, you've got like a couple of Antons, Andres, like maybe it's the long hair. Yeah. You're just like. You know, whatever they hire me for. Honestly. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy acting. So, yeah, sometimes I, I got to play um an, another Russian character on uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a long time. And oh, his, yeah. His that's name was, was Anton. Thinking. And actually, they, they cut my hair off to play that Russian. He, he had short hair. So oh. I cut my hair off then back and you know and you prefer long hair like you and then they make you uh, cut it or you grew it out for no roles. I mean I I initially grew it out when I was just doing voiceover work and stuff and it didn't really matter and I had a kid and then I got cast with like a long hair role and then people know me as having long hair except most of my life my friends know me as the dude with the shaved head so it's you know it's <laughs> it, 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 it's like I, it's just hair I don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's it's great hair it is no, not yeah, you, I would say it's a <laughs> it's signature. It's a signature of yours now. The well, long hair. I'm gonna shave it off for the uh, you know so that people stop using plastics. I just saw that uh, Momoa did that, so I'm gonna do it too. Oh, no, okay, no, cool. no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Right now. I was like, not oh, right now. Like the new challenge. My <laughs> kids. My kids have too much fun braiding it right now. I have three daughters, so they just like. I oh my god! I should have come in full braids. I I could have. <laughs> yeah, see, I have a son who will not stop pulling my hair, so I consider shaving it all the time. Ah, there you go. I have a son, but... too. He he likes to pull my hair, too. They braid, <laughs> they braid more of mine. You know, yeah. Some knots in there, too. Did you always <laughs> plan on having tons of kids? Uh, yeah, I always knew I wanted kids. I, I come from three, a family of three, and, uh, you know, if my kids had, my, my parents had stopped it, one or two, I wouldn't be around. So I, I kind of, <laughs> and, and I think that, like, it's, like, it's good to give, it's kind of like, it, it's easier to have two dogs than one dog. Because if if you have one dog, then you're the other dog, you know, like, <laughs> that plays yeah. with the dog. So it's that. Like, I think, I think I really benefit from that. Like, my kids just, like, all play together and I can just watch with a cold beer. 
don't, don't, don't pull it. Don't pull his hair. You know. <laughs> wow, that's really nice because I have two and it's like breaking me. So I'm kind of like, wow. How do you do four? But then people tell me that one to two is a huge difference. But then three, four, it's like our we have the same agent, me and Lisa, and she goes, yeah. your third's like a house cat, like who you don't yeah. even know to well, like. Once you live in the madness. You yeah. live in the madness, so yeah, yeah. then, you know, it's just when, more. What's one more, two more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from six kids, so I know the madness, too. There you go. There um, you go. <laughs> but six your is pictures serious. Of, That's serious. Six it's is, serious. It's, it's mentally ill a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> we saw a TBT. You've been with your wife for so long. Yeah, since, like, I mean, the millennium, you know, like, since that happened, you know. Like, half. What actually, we realized we were just now over half our life with each other, just, you know... Like, oh we're, yeah, yeah. Because we were, we got together when we were, tw when I was 20 and she was 19. So, I'm, oh my gosh. I'm 42 and she's about to turn 42. So we, we realized we were like, wait a second, we've been together longer than, you know. Then we haven't been together. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's long incredible. Time. Long time. Long time. What's the secret? <laughs> uh, I have no, I offer no, you know, I have, I have, I, I'm not an expert. I just somehow like, you know, fell into this and it's worked and I, you know, I don't know. That's, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I try my best. I also make dinner a lot. That That's a big one. I think. Oh, that helps. I love that. Yeah. I love that's helping. Special dish. <laughs> What's your go-to oh, great dish? I mean, I eat a lot of just meat and, and yeah. vegetables. So just like different, different preparations of different meats and fishes and <laughs> and different vegetables. I also have a, a vegetable garden, so that also maybe she, maybe she keeps me around for that one too. Like yeah, I'm a like, farmer really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually we we moved out into uh we live like on 6 acres now like outside of the city and it's it's really nice. Like we Are you outside of New York City or outside of Los Angeles? Uh, outside or? of LA. Kind of between oh, okay. between LA and San Diego in the mountains. Uh Oh, there, nice. Really, nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, we nice, we nice, loved nice. it. We're here like a year and a half now and we're like, "Oh, this is how maybe you're supposed to live." Like I grew up yeah. in like I grew up very tight, you know, uh two bedroom apartment in New York and that was awesome too. But like I don't know. Like my kids are out here, like catching frogs, and I, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, totally different. <laughs> they're like, Very I just different. picked an apple, and I'm like, great, eat the apple. Wow. So, wait, so you were born and raised in New York City. I think yeah. I saw you went to Fieldstead. Yes, yes. Cool. Yes. And and so was it cool to get on Law and Order because it's such a New Yorker show? Like it's such a New York, you know, well, like yes. institution. So it's so funny because, right, it's like the joke is every actor's like auditioned a hundred times for Law and Order. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially like a New York actor like myself, I'm from New York. But like when I was acting in New York, I was like so low on the totem pole there that like I wasn't getting any, <laughs> any auditions for, you know, uh, Law and Order and whatnot. So I actually never auditioned for anything Law & Order. And the only wow. time it ever was in my life is this, other than the fact that I, I love watching it. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's cool. And, and I, you know, like, I don't know. It's like Ice was like, I don't know, I've been a fan of his since I was like a little kid and he was awesome. And he couldn't be like more as you hope he would be. You know what I mean? Oh, he's yeah. Just, he's just so awesome. Um, and he's also like my new favorite person to follow on Twitter. He just like his, yes. his like truth. Ice cold facts. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 Yeah. Coach Ice is on there dropping knowledge bombs like every day. Uh <laughs> Any particular story or like um, fact that he dropped on set that you remember or any fun? <laughs> 
We heard he talks a lot about signing your own checks. Uh, he's told some people that. Yeah, he's he's very entrepreneurial and and very like, you know, hustle, hustle. And I, I love that. He was also like, I was lucky. He was a big black sales fan. And that was a show I had just finished. Oh, when I right. Got when I'm that. So like, I could kind of do no wrong, you know, because he, you know, it's like when you, when you come on a show, like you're either like, you know, just some guy who just, you know, they either, you know, they're just like, oh, this, some guy, or if you're lucky, they might know you from something. And I've had the lucky experience of guesting a lot on shows where someone likes something I've done in the past. And it's just like, you're like immediately in the club. You don't have to like, as long as you know your lines, you're going to be fine. You know? Yeah. It's, it's one of those, you know? Um, but he was super cool. Yeah. He dropped a lot of, I mean, one of, one of, like just his, his approach to acting is pretty cool too. Like he's like, I'm not acting. And he's just like, Making it, you know, he's like making it work at the moment, which actually I really like. I, I, you know, like it's it's weird to say, but he was kind of similar to working with Joan Cusack in that way because she like makes it work in her own way, like you know what I mean, in a different way that oh, like some do. actors do, like where they'll be very. Some actors are very like script script, you know, they're like on this script and nothing else, and some are like we have to figure out how to make this work, and uh, they're both like that, which is cool. I I like that. Oh wow. Too. Well, do you know Joan is an SVU alum? I'm sure she's like, you know, what hasn't Joan done? You know, it's like... <laughs> well, I'm a big shameless person, so I'm glad that you brought up Joan before I did. Um, but <laughs> I loved your guys' relationship on that show. So wacky, so dirty. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so many alums, Jeremy Allen White, Ethan, Cameron, like Steve Howie, they've all done SVU. So I don't know if you've ever chatted with them about it or it's come up or you've seen them. And just, I loved the twisted Joan Cusack storyline. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, that was that was so cool, obviously. I mean, I came on as a guest star and then that just grew into what it was. And, you know, that's always, you know, that's like your hope every time you are in a guest star, except when you're in SVU and you're like, oh, I go to the jail at the end of this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> you know again? And I, you know, I actually don't really like this guy all that much. He, he, should, <laughs> he should go to jail probably, even though like he played the flute nicely, but put him in jail. <laughs> you know um, yeah, I think most people on SVU are happy to kind of like say goodbye after a couple yeah. weeks to their character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, you know, listen, if, you know, if they're out there listening, you cut this hair. Yeah. You know, I am from New York. There's a lot of cops in my family. That's <laughs> all I'm saying, you know. <laughs> oh, they bring people back all the time and they won't even care about cutting your hair. They'll just bring you back looking exactly the same and call you something different. They do that all the time. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Um, I've heard, I've heard that. What would be, what would be a dream role if you came back to SVU? You. What would you like to be? Would you honestly, like to be like a psycho killer or like no, a? No, honestly, like I, I've always wanted to be a detective. I've always play one. I've never gotten to play one on TV. That would be something that I, I really oh, love awesome. to, to to try to to do in my life. Um, I've gotten to do it in movies, like where I've played kind of like investigative type roles, um, which are really fun, and you know, it'd be fun to do on a TV show one day. Although. I do play a good criminal of a week too, so I do that. Well, and Lindsay, your co-star, the one in the Bob wig, she's been <laughs> a guest on the pod. Did you oh, guys have fun? We did. I had, uh, you know, I had a, a blast. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you're shooting SVU in New York. And also, I mean, it's crazy. It's like they shoot in the Chelsea Pierce studio there. Where like I used to play ice hockey in the in yeah, sky, yeah, yeah. in like the sky rink. But I, I played in Chelsea Piers when it was sky rink there, but also like when it was sky rink on the 32nd floor of a building like 20 blocks away from there. And it's like all of a sudden you're like showing up to work at 
that studio and Skyrink's right there. And I'm like connecting it all to New York and they have me staying. <laughs> you know, it's like, I have family still in New York and whatnot, but a lot of them live in Long Island. And like, I when I, I feel like I when I go to New York the most is when I'm like working on a New York TV show and then I'm like back living in the city and, you know, yeah, getting, yeah. getting a bacon, egg and cheese on the corner and, you know. <laughs> have the kids come back? Have you brought them to New York? To yeah. See, yeah. yeah cool. they've, they've, they've seen it all. They they love New York pizza and, uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, and Grace Papaya hot dogs, which is still there. Grace Papaya hot dogs are still there. Yes. Well, I'm from like Chicagoland area and oh, the sorry. hot dogs are just better there. That's I the agree. one thing we got. Oh, I, here we I, go. <laughs> I agree. I agree that a Vienna and beef hot dog yes. with all the stuff can't be beaten. But... There is the simplicity of this, like the dirty water dog in New York. (laughs) Just a quick, quick little snack. (laughs) So now this segues into a question I have for you because, you know, you're very physically fit. You have four kids. What's going on? What's the, what's the regimen here? You're not eating dirty hot dogs every day, dirty water hot dogs every day. Believe it or not, I do, (laughs) I do eat a lot of uh, stuff that you wouldn't kind of think. I I just always kind of maintained a certain, like, you know, fitness line with which I kind of just operate. And uh, I do a lot of, uh, like, intermittent fasting is something that I've been doing now. Okay. I've been doing that now for, like, 25 years, though. Like, I, I developed oh. that. Like, I developed that on my own, just knowing that, like, if I went longer periods and then ate what I wanted, I could satiate what it is, you know, I could satiate whatever craving I was having while still, you know, going that distance and knowing that I wasn't going to, you know, put more in than I was taking out. Um, Which is kind of like the simple way I've thought of money my whole life and (laughs) just everything I kind of, like, I, I think things are a lot simpler and that like we are just like overthink the entire world, like, and that we're just like our worst enemies. And so I just try to keep it simple. I'm like, all right, well, if I don't eat until after five o'clock today and I'm pretty physically active that day and, you know, I also work out, definitely I'm going to be in a good spot. And then I'll just eat whatever I want because I'll be hungry. And I drink a lot of, and then just drink a lot of water. And also lots of light beer. Also, I do. I do a lot of those too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Keeping it light. I'm a light beer fan. I'm a Bud Light girl, but are you like Michelob Ultra? Do you go as no, low as you can go with those cows or no, what? No, I just, <laughs> no, not at all. I just like, I like watery light beer. Like I like, Same. you know, like Coors Light, Bud Light, yes. Miller that Light. That's my life. That to me is like what beer tastes like. I'm like, that is beer. Light, watery beer is beer. And people are like, no, I like IPA. I'm like, that's to me a different beverage. It's so heavy. It's too heavy. It's got a million different, I feel like I'm eating leaves and like like moss. Like I just want something that tastes like beer. And I get so made fun of because you know, like the micro brew movement is like huge and everybody has all these fancy beers. And I'm like, Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, like High Life, any of that stuff, any day for me. I literally have a refrigerator just full of different kinds of light beer. And I'll have, <laughs> I have like a whole selection. Like I have like Mexican light beer, right? And you like I'll yeah. have like American light beer. And I've got, you know, one of the best light beers, by the way, is the Japanese light beers. Oh, yes. Those are like Love those. on a whole nother Love level. Those. So good with sushi too. Oh. Like just a nice light beer yeah. with sushi. Oh, Yeah, yes. I mean, to me, I think, <laughs> like, I don't think, you know, I mean, I know, 
alcohol is bad for you. And if you drink too much of it, it's terrible right. for you. But I, I, I've never found it to be a problem. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm 42. I, I stay in pretty good shape. I run a lot. I do pull-ups a lot. I do, you know, I, I'm always just, I just know, like, I show up on at work all the time and they're like, hey, Sue, you're not wearing any clothing for this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, that's just kind yeah. of part of the the gig of being an actor. I mean, even on SVU, they were like, you're going to answer the door shirtless. Like, you just woke up and they're at the door. And I was like, all right. <laughs> One of my favorite stories, so our friend Langston um, had a a scene in the show Insecure where his, mm-hmm. like, he's, uh, his butt's out and he's pretty naked and he worked out hard. And then someone came up to him and goes, man, thank you for representing a regular body on TV. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was like, I worked out so hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. I do love that scene where you come to the door and you're like, did you guys find my flute? And like, you have yeah. no idea why they're there. <laughs> I know. I, I just played that like, because what I did, because they, we didn't, you know, when I'd ask, I'd be like, so did he do this or he didn't do this? And they'd be like, oh, uh, you know, and I'd be like, <laughs> well, I was just like, I'm just going to play it. Like if he did, he has no recollection of it. Right. You know, like he's got maybe some sort of drug issue and he blacks out and he takes who knows what Percocets or something and he's blacked out and he ran down the hallway. Who knows? So I played it like that. So yeah. he was just like, you don't, wait, my flute, you know, it's like. I totally forgot about all that footage of you running in the hallway naked. They must have yeah. made you shoot that separate. Yeah. Yeah, I was just <laughs> running around a hallway of a hotel in Manhattan. Like, they didn't even have it closed. There was, like, random people walking down the hallway. I was just like, oh, hey. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I my God. That. That's, like, one of those moments where you're like, this is my career. This is how I'm supporting my family. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of those moments. Um, you know, <laughs> just, you know, you're just, like, you're standing somewhere. Or like, I, I do a lot of, like, physical. Like, I just did a couple Westerns. And, like, recently I was just, like, I was on this horse. And it was, like, lost its footing on, like, this very rocky slope. And it was just, like, sliding down this slope, like, uncontrollably. And I was like, this is my life. This is, <laughs> this is what I do, I guess. On a I runaway thought, horse. Yeah, I'm on a runaway horse today. Wait, any other things you remember that you think our listeners would love tidbits from your time working on the show? I, I regret to say, I can't remember the director's name. What was his name? Michael Pressman. Yes, Michael Pressman. So he was really awesome. He's like a just a, a veteran director. You know, you, you look at his, you know, his he just... Did everything. And one of the things I always like to do when I work with like veterans in, in the industry, I just ask them like, you know, what was your biggest mistake? You know, as was I was just when I'm working with people like, you know, you work with a big actor, you just go like, what was your biggest mistake? And, you know, such a good question. Yeah. And just just to see like, you know, where they really felt like they could have taken a different trajectory or, or done something even better or whatever. And uh, Michael was like, man. Back in the 80s, I got this script from my buddy Dan Aykroyd about these crazy guys running around Manhattan, believed in ghosts, and they were shooting (laughs) electric laser beams or something at them. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And I passed on directing it. (laughs) And it was Ghostbusters. And I was like, you know what I mean? And like those stories are like the things that make me like do everything as an actor. Like, because I like almost every... Every one of those I've heard from directors, actors, producers, is from something they thought they were too good to do. Like, they were like, you know, and then it was this 
It turned in, and and so I just like, when people are like, why did you do this silly thing? I'm like, well, one, I have children and I take care of them this way. But two, I, <laughs> how, was, how am I supposed to know if it was going to be awesome or not? Like, yeah. I just, it's like words on a page when it gets to me. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, you never know what's going to like fully pop off. Because yeah, Ghostbusters could have sounded insane and like too crazy back then, but. Wow. Yeah. yeah so. He actually, Michael Pressman is going to do our podcast. He, you should, you, you, I've yeah. just taken his best story then. I've just, Michael, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, well, we'll, I, ask it's, him, we'll ask him about it. We'll ask him about it when we have him. Question, We're just trying yeah. to figure out the right episode to have him on for. Um, but uh, wait, can I ask you something? So I know yeah. that this, I know Wikipedia is full of lies a lot of yes. the time, but yes. Wikipedia does say that you are cousins with Rose McGowan. Is that true or false? I mean, I have never met Rose. And in my family, we would love to meet Rose. Look, I'm a big fan of a lot of stuff she's done. And, you know, she's always out there. So I, I, I would, I'd happily meet her. But I, no, I'm not her cousin. I, I've never, I've <laughs> never even so met her. That's so funny. Yeah. Wikipedia is full of garbage, but also full of a lot of facts. It's, it's so, so hard. It's so funny. Like, I, a lot of times I find myself, I mean, you guys didn't play, but like, I, you know, I'll just be at like someone's house and they're just like, They'll just be reading like facts about me online. And I'm like, <laughs> news to me. Like, yeah. You know, like, and because I don't know, like, I guess some people like spend a lot of time trying to make sure everything is perfect out there. I'm just like, I, I don't know. There's like pictures of me naked. So what am I going to do? That's <laughs> it. What gets worse than that? Like, <laughs> oh my God. I was well, like, Rose is in a wild yeah, SVU. She's in an iconic SVU episode. I'm so sure that's she... why the only reason I was really concerned, I normally wouldn't be like, do you have any famous relatives? She's like, like dating <laughs> her brother and their grifters. Ooh. And they Ooh. work at a sex club together, tricking like regular men into giving their life savings to Rose McGowan. It's like pretty I, fun. I really <laughs> want to watch this episode now. This is like, yeah. this is the best one. I'm going to like become a Wikipedia editor so that I can go take that off of your Wikipedia. I think, um. no, I think they've, <laughs> I think they've closed that out now. Like you have, you have to have already been a Wikipedia editor. <laughs> really? I was, I was trying, I was like, maybe I should be able to say something about my own page. And they were like, what do you, I basically, the response was like, what do you know about Zach McGowan? I was like, clearly nothing. I, uh, yeah. Clearly, never. Well, if, you know, this could be a source. This is a source now, you on this podcast. So somebody, you if, you're, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Wikipedia editor, you got to get over and say, is not related to Rose McGowan and then list us as a footnote. Yeah, is that is that how it works now? Like, this is a primary source now, right? Because this yeah. is me saying it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Do you have anything like coming up that you want our listeners besides correcting your Wikipedia? Other things our listeners should be checking out about you? Um, well, yeah, I'm always doing, you know, I'm always doing new indie movies and, and TV projects. Uh, I got a couple indie movies. I got one out right now called Murder at Yellowstone City. That's an indie. Oh, yeah. It's always fun. I always try to plug, plug those because they, they don't get advertising. Yeah. Indies don't really get advertising unless you plug them because that's just like how it works. Um, and is that streaming? Like where can yeah, people watch that? that's streaming. You can get that on Amazon or Apple or nice. know, pretty much anywhere. Um, I got another one coming out uh, in a little while, uh, but that's, they they haven't released that so I can't tell. Yeah, I know, yeah. I guess. That one, and then another one, actually, another one coming out in October and then one in January. Um, awesome. And then some TV stuff, you know, that's out there, but it's now, like, nowadays it's, like, all in the ether and, you know, like, I don't even know. Because you can't, it's, like, one of my problems with TV right now is, like, I I feel like I have to have, like, 75 different subscriptions. Yes. 
And I was like, whatever happened to this? I want the cable box. Can they make the cable box? It'll go back. <laughs> It'll go full circle again. Can, can they're they, gonna Because now they're all buying each other. I feel like we have a couple more years till we're back. To, and then we'll just have a box and they'll have all the and channels. Then and you can buy cable them. again. Yeah. yeah, you can buy premium, whatever. I want this one. I want HBO. I want the... Yeah, everybody keeps telling me all this stuff that's so good to watch on Apple Plus, and that's like the only one I don't pay for. And I'm like, I refuse to just pay for every single one. So I'm like missing out on all these good shows. Yeah, it's like you have two kids. Like I have four kids. Like you look at it, you're like, am I really going to spend like $400 on subscriptions to all these things this year? Like this this month? Or am I going to like buy my kid a new bike this month instead? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is there anything that you've done that your kids have been able to watch? There or are. No? There are a few. Um, I did a show called The Hundred on um, the CW that is PG thirteen, and I played like a king, and uh, they got to watch that. And oh, uh, cool! Or at least my two older ones got to watch that. And then I did uh, a Scorpion King movie. I did, um, and that's PG thirteen, and uh, and they got to watch that as well. So. According to them, I always play kings. But <laughs> I, meanwhile, that's not, you know what I mean? That's just what they've seen. And I'm actually, ter- <laughs> and I'm like terrified because like, you know, they're getting big and I'm like, all right, so when, when does she want to watch Shameless? And when, yeah. when is it, when is it okay? When is yeah. it okay to let one's daughter watch Shameless? Like, Yeah, and- when is it okay to <laughs> see her dad do a sick flute solo, but then maybe assault someone? We don't know. <laughs> but were they into it? They like loved it, I'm sure. Oh, well, the hundred, they, my oldest really loved it. And what's funny is they already knew like most of the cast who like come over and play with them. And they were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you know, that was kind yeah. of a cool experience for them. Um, and they obviously loved it. They loved the Scorpion King movie Wait. You know, they, I mean, it's just like, it's fantasy. So they, they loved that. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they'll get to watch at some point they can sit down and watch. I mean, I have this like drawer with literally everything. Like I have the SVU episode like on DVD as well. Like I try to get, even now I'll take things and I'll burn them off onto DVD. So I have like a physical copy of it. Um, because I feel like it's like, it's my work, right? Yeah. Like, and then I have, now there's like a drawer and one day, you know, my great grandkids can figure out how to play a DVD and, <laughs> and watch, you know. They can go to an antique shop and yes. find a DVD player and yes. see their grand, great grandfather's work. Yeah. They're like, this hologram doesn't work. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. These glasses don't take me to the metaverse. <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah. Um, Zach, this was so fun. Lisa, do Thank you have any you. other last minute questions? No, this was so fun. Thank this you so great. much. Thank you it so much. I had fun. Bud Light friend. He's cool. Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. I like his dad style. Light beer. Let the kids hang out. Braid your hair. He's fun. And I um, love that he's like, listen, they always just tell me to take my shirt off at work. So <laughs> got to keep it tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does so have funny. like no sign of dad bod. No sight of dad bod for that guy at all. Um, he's living a dream life. I really, it's really cool to meet people that you like from shows. I know, <laughs> I know. And show. he was just like a, fu- a fun dude. And he seems like he's really just like so grateful for like all the acting opportunities he's had and like just a, a cool guy. Yeah, I hope I run into him. I'd love to cheers some nice light beers with him. And yes, I don't know. Same. Watch him do pull-ups. <laughs> 
Um, uh, okay, what's our postmortem for maternal instincts? Like, uh, we 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 feel for Rollins. Like, when you have like a crazy mom or a crazy sibling, like that can be really. I mean, my mom and sister are not crazy. My dad's a little crazy, but like. Just this poor fucking woman is just like a pregnant SVU detective. She's got enough going on. Can we just not start getting into trouble when she's in her third trimester, please? Like, let her... I wish that Kim could just... Yeah, like I said, go turn tricks in Philadelphia. Go to DC. There's plenty of other places you can be a sex worker. No, they get off on ruining her life and attention. But it's honestly like... Rollins shouldn't have her back. The moment she saw the footage, she should have. They should have gone and arrested her sister. Yeah. Like it's kind of like you know what's going to happen. This has been happening for decades. This isn't the first time she set you up before. Like what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't understand that. I don't. Yeah, the chances and the chances. But I bet you people that are listening that are like I have a toxic sister or like a toxic mom. Like I have given them chance after chance after chance, and it's like I think you eventually have to get to a point where you're like the chances are done. But let's say this wasn't television, she would not have a job anymore, Rollins. Right. Like, you're, okay, so you're pregnant and now you're, you don't have a job. Are you proud? Like, I, it's, it eventually, you know, it's like the thing about your boat, like, you can't help someone if your boat is, like, you have to make sure your boat is floating before you bring more people into your boat. Yeah, put your mask on before you help somebody else get their mask on on the plane. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, but uh, an amazing episode. And if you're staying in a hotel and you get a knock that is not like just your friend coming over, like let's use our peepholes, everybody. They're there for a reason. Like everybody check your, not victim blaming, just saying everybody make sure it's not a drunk, drugged, violinist banging down your, I mean, violinist or or flautist uh, banging down your door. And also- But also I learned I got to go to a flute concert. Yeah, would love to hear from people that have been to a, a sort of fun- jazzy rock flute concert or a a belladonna kind of concert. And if you know of what drugs would, somebody would slip you that would make you so violent to attack other people, besides like bath salts, I just don't know why you would give someone that if you were trying to rob them. No, and even the real case, it's like nothing was found in your system. So like, what is it? But like for him too, it's like, what could somebody give you that knocks you out and then when you wake up, you're in a amnesic rage. Wait, you told me Ambien and alcohol does that. I did? Remember? Because you gave me an Ambien to go to Australia. Yeah. And you were really strict with me. You're like, you take it right when you want to go to bed. And don't you fight do it. Not, and don't and do not fight it. Yeah. Um, or crazy shit happens. And usually when people lose it on planes, it's Ambien and alcohol, no? Yes. I agree, but he passed out first. That's what's so weird. It's like whatever she gave you made you pass out, then made you rise up hours later. But that's not Ambien? And go nuts? No, I Ambien, don't you'd so. go crazy and Ambien, you wouldn't even you go pass nuts out. because you are fighting it and your mind's like doing crazy things so you never do the sleep and you just go crazy. Damn, yeah, because so, you were really strict with me. You were like, do you, uh, yeah. like I put my sleep mask on as I took it because I'm not really a pill popper. Um, Yeah, no, and I'm not either. I I have literally just taken Ambien on a couple of like, you know, 10 plus hour flights. And I just tell people, I'm like, don't take it and watch a movie. Don't take it and like, you know, try to read a book. It's like, take it to close your eyes and go to sleep. And it really does work. But if you fight it, you get like Ambien crime, Ambien shopping, all the crazy Ambien shit you hear about. Yeah, hopefully there's some pharmacists listening. You know, Asif Ali's brother's uh, pharmacist. Maybe I'll ask him. We should. 
that king of that king of the red carpet. We should ask him. I cannot wait to see him again and talk about that carpet. I think he knew, I, like, that press tour had been such a mess. Yeah. For da- darlings, don't do your darlings. What is it? Dare what, your don't darlings. Don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. And it was like, I just love that he came in with like none of that drama in his body or being and just like enjoyed the moment and had fun. And like, it was probably so funny in the Q&A. And just so everybody knows what we're talking about, Asif Ali, who we both know through stand-up, is in that movie, a very funny actor, person, a great actor. He went on the red carpet just in all stuff he got from Goodwill, which I fucking, I stan. I think that's so fun and cool and like... Who are you wearing? I don't know. I found it at Goodwill. Who cares? Like, you know, I think that's Well, you fun. know, Nikki Glaser does that. She does Goodwill shopping for her performance dresses. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. She just goes to a town and gets a dress. Or like gets some dresses for cheap. I think Whitney Cummings does that too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel... Because if you're on stage every night and people are taking photos and you don't yeah. want to be like fully stylist and looks constantly like um it seems like goodwill is a great option yeah if you need like 70 dresses in a year exactly. for all of your shows yeah and then you can kind of just like bring it back to goodwill after if you want or like donate it to someone i don't know you don't have to like keep it but um anyway this was a great fucking and episode. And you know, not to, oh, this is, but you know, Nikki Glazer, a, a stand-up comic, she just had vocal surgery and she's yeah. like been on vocal rest. But she keeps like going out and going to concerts. And I'm like, how do you How not do you not talk? Yell. No, I literally think that I should have gotten my tonsils out years ago. And I've talked to a doctor about getting them out. And they're like, you'd have to be quiet for like two weeks. You'd have to not talk. And I'm like, I don't, I can't do it. So I guess I'll just have them in forever. Yeah, someone, well, I think it was Lizzie Cooper. Someone told me I should go to a silent retreat. And I said, It was Lizzie. I heard it on yeah, her podcast. Just on the your thought of it Same. me out. Same. Oh my God. That is my punishment. If I commit a crime, you can either put me in jail or you can send me on a long silent retreat and I will have learned my lesson. And that crime will not be committed again. <laughs> Oh, God, this was fun. Yeah. I don't even know. Great episode. Great, Great episode. Chats. I hope Listen, you liked it. Let's get into What Would Sister Peg Do, our weekly segment where we give you guys a book, organization, article, something to give you more information about what we talked about this week. Obviously, there's no organizations that deal with, um, you know, flautists assaulting people or anything like that. But we wanted to point out an article featured in Psychology Today called Five Strategies to Cope with Toxic Family Members. I know there's a lot of talk today about toxic people in your life, but I think sometimes cope, like coping or cutting out a person in your family who's toxic is a lot more difficult than just like a friend or a lover. So this article is written by Abigail Brenner, MD. And uh, not only helps identify those toxic traits, but it also has a lot of great tips for creating boundaries, not engaging, and limiting your contact with that toxic family member. So you can check out the article. We have the link in our show notes. That's on Psychology Today's website, in our show notes. And as always, we'll be in our WWSPD highlight on our Instagram. Thank you for that. I love Psychology Today. It's one of my favorite magazines (laughs) to buy out and about um, when I need to be... Because, yeah, Cosmo doesn't work for me anymore. Um, Next week, we'll be doing Svengali. Exciting. Season nine, episode six. It's a real funky one. So stay tuned. Watch it. Hulu, Peacock, VPNs. I don't know. You guys know DVR, what you know what to do. NBC. Does anyone watch it live? Hit us up if... Well, no, these are old. Never mind. I'm I'm going <laughs> to stop talking. 
I need a nap. Bye, guys. Don't forget to buy tickets for our tour. See you next week. Bye-bye. That's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.